It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. There's a happy crowd, and I think the umpires have mentioned the light, and it's a bit dark for the quicks. So I think we're going to go to Ross Taylor, and he's going to provide some offspin. <laughs> well, if there's a fitting finale, this could well be it. Here he goes. Oh, it's on the money too. It's fallen straight. Oh, that's good. Flat. So I'm going to get a lot of turn as Taylor. Coming around now as Taylor. Oh, it's gone straight up. Here it is. Who's under it? That's Tommy Latham. What a way to finish. Taylor gets his third test wicket and finishes. Good morning and welcome to SNZ Summer Days for a Wednesday with Stephen McIver, 0800 150811, where you wake up and the Black Caps have quickly found their mojo. And Ross Taylor finishes his test career with a wicket. Yeah, fairy tales do happen. It was a test-winning performance in the second test at the Hagley Oval. Coach Gary Stead in just a moment here on SENZ. The Silver Ferns play the quad series start this Sunday morning in England. First up Australia, then England, followed by South Africa. We'll get an update from the camp before 11 this morning from mid-quarter Shannon Saunders. New Zealand tennis player Aaron Rutliff's 2022 doubles campaign is off to a strong start. Quarter-final appearance in Adelaide on the cards ahead today. We'll chat with her and what her 2022 looks like after midday. And then after one, a bit of motorsport, as I said with the lads beforehand, we'll talk about the cancelled New Zealand Grand Prix and look ahead to the new D1NZ drifting season. There's a lot to look forward to on a Wednesday nationwide here on SENZ. You can listen on your local frequency or even better if you're travelling around the country on the SENZ app. Download it on any one of your platforms. And you're listening in Australia, uh, good morning to you as well. But first of all, cricket. And New Zealand put Bangladesh to the sword yesterday in Christchurch, forcing the follow-on, getting the win by an innings in 117 runs. Coach Gary Stead joins us right now. And Gary, uh, got to say, that was a hell of a turnaround from the Bay Oval. Yeah, we uh, we weren't, I guess, pleased with the way that the performance that we put out against Bangladesh. And 
Um, credit to them, they played very, very well and put us under pressure on, on probably a pitch that suited their style a little, little bit more. Um, but we got, I guess, back onto a pitch that we're more comfortable with, I imagine, with a little bit more bounce in it, and I, and I thought our guys bounced back very, very well. Uh, the performance of your skipper, Tom Latham, what do you say about that? Uh, well, I think sometimes Tom has a lot of critics out there, and I think they're pretty unfounded. You, you open up, uh, open the innings in test cricket, it's a very, very tough job to do. Um, he's obviously shown over a long period of time now the temperament he has to do that is is one that I guess has good longevity and, and I thought he was superb after losing another toss um, on a greenish wicket. Uh, we certainly would have bowled first, uh, but I thought the way that him and Will Young went about their innings and then followed on by Devin Conway, just, just very, very very pleasing the way we could set up that match. How much more comfortable do you feel now that Devin Conway's back in the side? It was a it was a hell of a test for him. Yeah, I mean, Devin's got uh, an enviable record now when you look at his first five test matches. He scored over five uh, over 50 in the first uh, innings of, of every innings and he's up there with some of the greats of the of the game when you look at his the way he started his career. Um we obviously have Kane to come back into our team as well, and I think if you could probably imagine them at three and four in the future of the team, I, I think with Ross Taylor um, leaving us on, on the test, test note, it still means that we've got some, some obviously very capable players and to fill in those spots. I want to talk about Ross in just a moment, but when you look at Devin Conway, do you look at the individual and, and go, he's just a natural Ah, yeah, he is. Um, I mean, he works very, very hard on his game, and, and I'm not sure he would consider himself a natural, but the thing that I've really enjoyed is the way he's adapted to, I guess, every format, and it, and it looks like he belongs. Um, he, he finds ways of solving problems, and, and ultimately that's what batting is about. How much, though, does that flow to the rest of the team? Yeah, there's obviously confidence. I think when when you when you look right through the order, and I think we've been in this situation for a while now that if someone has a bad day or, or, or fails, and that that's the nature of the sport, then then we know we've got some very very capable players to step up in behind them as well. And um, I think that's that's part of just developing some some good depth. And, and in my opinion, that that shows that New Zealand cricket on the whole is in good strength. No test is ever perfect. Do you have some concerns over the, shall we say, the all-rounder spot? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think it's been a, a contentious spot for a long, long time. When uh, and, and sometimes that all-rounder spot changes um, depending on what the makeup of your team is. So if you have four front-line pace bowlers, for example, then you might be looking at a spinning all-rounder. If you have a front-line spinner, then you might be looking at a pace bowling all-rounder. And I think... It is some, something um, somewhat of the nature of the position that, that it can be sometimes changeable. I have to ask you this question because everybody would expect me to ask the question, Gary, but do you, do you rue not playing ages at the Bay? Uh, I'm not sure. It's something we'll certainly reflect on. Uh, I think if we were to play ages there, it would mean that we wouldn't play one of the, um, the pace bowlers up front as well. Uh, so that's something that we would have to consider going forward. It certainly wasn't a wicket that did spin prodigiously, um, and, and our, str- our strength playing at Bay Oval in the past has been still through the pace bowlers with the wicket going, going up and down, but it is certainly a, um, a thing that we will talk about and we will reflect on with AJAZ, with the senior players and, and, and our uh, selectors. 
When you look at your pace attack, what's the first word that comes to mind? Hmm. Um, That's I, not. The, um, you can't say um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're very complementary of each other. Um, so whilst they're all four pace bowlers, I mean we've got two that swing at Trent and Tim. Um, both have 300 test wickets, obviously very experienced, and, and swing it different ways, which I think is a real strength with the wins that we have in New Zealand. You put Neil Wagner in, who, who's obviously lion-hearted, has a huge heart, just keeps running in and, and makes things happen on flat wickets. And then you've had, uh, I think, Kyle Jamieson coming through, who uh, has that extra bounce, has been the fastest New Zealand bowler to 50 wickets, and has obviously taken test cricket by storm. So, um, yeah, the complimentary is probably the word that, that first comes to my mind. Who's who's next in line? I mean, the likes of Saudi uh, and Co can't keep going. I mean, yes, you got Kyle, but who's next for you to slot yeah, into that? Uh, well, I think I think um, possibly in the next few years we will be tested with that as well. You, you never know with injuries and and age catches up on everyone. That sometimes you, you, we need to look at that depending on schedules as well. But Matt Henry's obviously in our squad um, right now, and that's our, that's the challenge of the New Zealand program is to keep. Uh, developing the next lot coming through. There's the likes of Lockie Ferguson who played the test in Perth that we would have loved to see getting back to test cricket. He has that extra pace. But I think through New Zealand cricket itself and, the, and our New Zealand A program, that, that's our challenge to find, to find who we think. Not just one person, but hopefully four or five that can fill those slots. Let's talk some more feel, feel good. Ross Taylor gets a wicket in his last <laughs> test and it's the last wicket of all. I mean, could you see that one coming? No, I couldn't, but I think uh, I think I'm right in saying the last test to do that for New Zealand was Sir Richard Hadley, so certainly in um, <laughs> in pretty good company there as well. No, I mean it was a situational thing where the umpires had said, "Look, you can't bowl pace bowlers now." The light was getting too marginal, so um, it was a perfect end for Ross. And and yeah, look, we we're delighted for him. We're delighted what he's given to New Zealand cricket um, in the Test arena, when in, in all arenas, but. And we're talking Test cricket here. He's been a, an absolute servant of the game. Seen some, seen some tough times, but has also seen some really good times. And I, I just hope that he leaves with a, a whole lot of really positive memories from the game. I noted you reflected on him and suggested that when you look at the the innings and the big innings he's he's done, he's played against them all, but they've all been tough. Mm, absolutely. I mean. It's a hallmark of his play, and, and I mean, he's stepped up many, many times. When, when you play 112 tests, um, you're going to have some, some really, really tough times through that as well. And uh, Ross has always been one to, I mean, he, he's held that number four position for a long, long time, and there'll be times that it always hasn't been 200 for two when he goes in. It, it could be two for two, and that's when you see the hallmark of great players, that they, they have that ability to stand up in those situations. He sounds like a very grounded individual. I don't know the man, but when you lose a test captaincy but continue on and continue to deliver at the highest level, what does that say about him as a person? Yeah, Ross is a, a very proud man. He, he has the, I guess, Pacifica heritage. You know, it was lo- lovely last night to share some moments with his family and stuff as well in, in the dressing room. Um, yeah, he, he'll be really missed from our, our dressing room, that, that calm head, that grounded person, as you say. Um, and, and that's something that, that you can't replace that experience. But I guess when Ross Taylor leaves, that'll be an opportunity for someone else. And, and from my perspective, I think we have ready people, which is exciting. As a coach, they say sometimes you can't get too close to players. But I, I sometimes sense that cricket's a little bit different. 
As a mate, will you miss him? No, I think we'll all miss Ross. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as a as a coach and as a selector, there's there's times where um, you have to have that that line in the sand where you can't cross because you do have to make tough decisions at times, and we've had to make that with with Ross as well through the the T20 game about a year or so ago, and that that was, I guess, times that test your um, patience with each other at times as well. But look, I mean. I certainly hold Ross in the in the highest regard as a as a person and as a player and what he's done for New Zealand. And now, Gary, you get a wee break and then you're off to Oz. Uh, three ODIs and a T20. You've already suggested not a lot of Test players will be involved in this. I don't think any any Test players will be involved. Uh, just with the crossover and isolation as it is at the moment, it means that we would be two or three days into the South Africa series as well. So. Highly likely you'll see um, a, a, a side somewhat like how we selected for Bangladesh before the, the T20 World Cup as well. Um, when when no, none of our T20 World Cup players toured there, it'll be similar but with a, with a test slant on it this time. Expectations knowing how well the Aussies are going at the moment? Oh, we always go with, with high expectations. I, I, I remember... Um, a couple of years back before we went to the 2019 World Cup, we, we took, um, I think there was four players who were going to the World Cup and really a New Zealand A team over and we com- competed really admirably versus Australia. So it will be, uh, it's always tough going there. They're, they're a fantastic side. I, I don't think we've won a game on, on their home soil for about 11 years now. So it does show the, the toughness of what's ahead of us. Anything can happen, Gary. I appreciate your time. Enjoy the time off and uh, uh, just have a few quiets. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers. Thanks, and thanks, everyone. Gary Stead uh, joining us here on SENZ. What a, you know, JD, is such an affable fellow. You know, you can talk to a lot of coaches, and they will always be very guarded in their opinions. And yeah, okay, he didn't really ask the question of the Bay Over about you know, but he at least he he puts puts something out there. And I, I like I like that guy. I mean, you know, it's a very tough job from a media perspective to try and get interviews with people every day and 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 talk to them and and try and get their spin and them having to say, here we go again. On the two occasions that I've spoken to Gary Stead, I've got I've walked away going, I like this guy. He he is fresh. Yeah, he wants. To know you, or at least he comes across that way. He's like, you feel like you're actually talking to a guy who's interested in what you are asking him, which is, he's not mailing in the questions. I like Gary Steed because he came in off the back of Mike Heeson, who was an extremely popular Black Caps coach. And Gary Steed came in, and a lot of New Zealanders said, Who the hell is Gary Steed? Cantabrian, he's going to clam up and do the whole nine yards. The Canterbury Mafia, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, um, but he's delivered on the global stage to take them to that World Cup final in 2019, then to take them to a T20 World Cup final and win a Test Championship in between and keep this side that was going well when he took them on. Uh, he's taken them to another level, which is a great sign for a coach, and I like listening to him. I, I'm a big fan. And the one thing that I was intrigued to hear him say, he was quite open about, we are going to be tested with our pace attack down down the line. Because you look at the ages of the pace attack, and Southie, yeah. I mean, Southie just seems to keep, just keeps on keeping on, right? Yeah. But he's, he's not going to be there forever. No, him, Bolton, Wagner are all what? Early to mid thirties. Yeah. So, now. so we're looking three or four years down the track. We're definitely not going to have those three. But he's right. Matt Henry, Cole Jamison, and some guys bowling quick like Lockie Ferguson and even a Ben Sears who's real fast as well. So uh, 
I like our pace uh, stocks. I, I am a bit nervous about those the Theodios and the T20s against an Aussie side. That right now, I just, I mean, they they don't change too much anymore, do they? They went through a period, Australia. Correct me if I'm wrong, where they were they were messing around with the Test T20 and ODIs, and they were, but now they they bring a lot of the Test players into play. They've got uh, quite a separate overs, or, or quite not. a separate oh. limited overs team. Okay. Like you'll see Steve Smith, probably David Warner. Uh, and maybe Mitchell Stark, so maybe three from okay. their yeah, but out, test team out, oh, in in the in their in limit, their limited yeah, overs, and they may, they may say they may see us coming across with a weakened side and be like, well, we've just had a five match Ashes series, yeah. we're going to give some of our next tier guys a go. So we could see kind of the future in this next series, the future of Australian cricket and the future of New Zealand cricket. Um, without well, with <laughs> Ross Taylor, with Ross Taylor, well, yeah, he didn't actually say Ross, but he said no test players. Now, I was of the understanding that Ross was going to play the ODIs. Yeah, well, he's not a test player for that South African series because he's obviously played his last of test. Course. So okay, he will, point. I'd say, a trip around Australia playing one-day cricket and a T20 for Ross Taylor would be pretty cool for him, wouldn't it? Well, it was interesting to read uh, that Ross Taylor said he was a limited overs batsman that had to turn himself by admission into a test player. Yeah, oh, his ODI record is up there with anyone on the planet. If you were making a world ODI team, Ross Taylor would get looked at for that four or five spot. It's averaging almost 50 in one day cricket, and, uh, which and, is quite incredible. And yet his test runs career, he has the most for New Zealand. He's 400 clear of Williamson at the moment. Yeah. And I can see that being overtaken, frankly. Yeah. On 7,655 with an average of 44.76. So Very similar to Martin Crowe, his mentor. Crowe uh, was 45.36, his yeah. test average in a year. And, and the way he got through that too, not having that ear anymore to talk to. Mm. I mean, I, I remember yep. talking to Martin about him and Martin just loved him. He said, you know, he is he's a sponge. Yeah. Ross Taylor is a sponge and will only get better and that better. That was one of the great sporting relationships that yeah. Martin Crowe, Ross Taylor won. And just Ross Taylor, like, where does he go down in history for New Zealand? Now that he's done in Test cricket, where where do you place Ross Taylor? Good question. 0800 150 811. That's 0800-150-811. Tell us where you think Ross Taylor should stand as far as New Zealand test cricketers, or just cricketers in general. Because as JD and I have discussed over the summer, test cricket really has shone in the summer of 21-22, and it really has been a whole lot of fun. So 0800-150811, that's 0800-150811. Where does Ross Taylor stand for you as far as New Zealand cricket greats? Let's just say cricket greats goes. Give me a call. Let's have a little yak about it. 0800-150-811. On SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. 10.26 to this Wednesday morning nationwide on SENZ with Stephen McIver. 0800-150-811. If you want to share your thoughts on Ross Taylor, Chris has got jumped on the text line. How about giving us a yak? Uh, he goes, uh, uh, to JD's point, Ross also stands on stats as our overall greatest batsman, top three all-time in the test, and uh, the goat of the ODI game. 
uh, throw in 100 T20s as well to show a bit of versatility and longevity. Yeah, you've got to say that longevity is a good one, but also just a bloody good guy. And I think that's the, that, that's what shines through. Maybe that comes with age. I don't think so with, with Ross Taylor. I think that, that stands genuinely just one of the good guys in sport. Uh, just a reminder that if you're in the Westport area, Tauranga Bay, the Surf Nationals, the 59th edition of the New Zealand Surfing Champs are on at the moment, and that's a competition started yesterday. If you don't know where Tauranga Bay is, it's 15 k's south of Westport, and they started the day with a 1.5-plus swell, strengthening southwesters. Uh, it has to, proven to be a bit of a challenge. Women started yesterday. Uh, some cool performances. Ariana Shuri, uh, she turned in a 13.34-point heat total. Uh, her pre- travelling companion, Bree Bennett, out of Raglan, uh, posted a 13.07 point heat total. Apparently she was very smooth and got the comfortable heat win. Uh, Paige Harab, who we spoke to here on SNZ Summer Days, and Ava Henderson both won their heats. Uh, Henderson was in an, in an attacking mood. Uh, she had a 12.67 heat total. Others to advance through the out of the first round securing heat wins were juniors Asia Braithwaite out of Gizzy and Natasha Goldsbury out of Taranaki. Now, it's more than likely that the women will have a rest day today. Uh, the first round of the men's also got under, underway yesterday. But the, the key to note here is the top seeded surfers, like our mate Billy, Billy Stearman, uh, won't get into. They'll get into it until the second round because they just take the chance to practice prior to the event on neighbouring beaches during the day. So there is a lot to look forward to. As I can tell you right now, we have secured Kai Kara France for eleven a.m. this morning. So Kai Kara France will be on the show at just after eleven this morning. His uh, fight announced this morning by the UFC. It's a flyweight title eliminator against Azkar Askarov, and I'm told by reliable sources. In other words, Brian, uh, our producer as well, uh, that he's, he, Brian, just quickly, he is, this Askarov is in the Khabib camp, right? Which suggests that if Kai Kara France wants to do the job, he's going to want to stay off the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a Dagestani bloke um, from, you know, the Caucasus Mountains, and all they do is wrestle and bash. So he's going to have to keep him, keep it on his keep it on the feet. When you when you look at Kai Kara France, right, he had a good run, then a couple of losses, and then he's come going, going, pow 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 pow. Do you see genuinely take the Kiwi flavour out of it? Do you genuinely see a UFC champion here um, in Kai Kara? Until his last two wins, no. But those last two wins, he turned he turned a corner after his kid was born. He turned a corner. Now he's got this thing. He's reading twenty books a year now. That's always that always helps. Helps with your book smarts up upstairs. Depends what you're reading. You hope they're not picture books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading reading his son's books. Eh? <laughs> I'm reading twenty books a year. I read to my son every night. Yeah, now, we're, not being, we're, not being, we're not being dis- disrespectful at all. But uh, okay, so you think book smarts going to be the difference? All right, thanks for that. We we look forward to talking to Kai Kara. <laughs> At 11 o'clock this morning. (laughs) Sorry, it's half past 10. Ten 
7.33, Wednesday morning nationwide. I want to be a contender. Let's get in the ring. Let's dance. Let's dance. Come on. I could have been a contender. Sorry, I just love Bowen. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's one of those those lines, you know. Let's dance. Come on. Hey, come on. You want to you wanna try me out? Let's dance. Come on. We'll talk to Kaikara France at 11 o'clock this morning. He's the last person to hop on a ring and try and dance. Even a, a flyweight and me being a heavyweight, I would, I'd be on the deck quicker than you can blink. There will be a little bit of dancing at the Copper Box Arena this coming Sunday morning because the Silver Ferns start their quad series campaign. It's also part of their build-up to the Commonwealth Games. Short, sharp tournaments going bang, bang, bang. Uh, play, And it's, it's a tough one for them. So 5.15, these games are live on Sky Sport, by the way. Sunday morning, it's against Australia. Monday morning, it's against England. And remembering, the last time they played England was here not too long ago, and they got pumped. And then, of course, they've got, they've got a wee break. Then on Wednesday at 5.15, it's against South Africa. And then the finals on Thursday morning, there'll be a playoff for third and fourth. And, of course, the uh, final in the quad series at the Copper Box Arena in England. And it's to England we go now to talk to mid-quarter Shannon Saunders. And, Shannon, I've got to ask you this question. Is it odd or exciting to be finally travelling again to play? Yeah, probably a bit of both. It's um, definitely a lot different from the last time that we came over here travel-wise and um, and just been on tour as well. I think there's um, a lot of protocol in place to try and keep us safe, which is awesome. And yeah, so I think we're just super excited to, that we've got the opportunity to come over here, play some international games and um, yeah, probably experience it before the Commonwealth Games. What is the environment like over in England? Yeah, it's um, all very like a tight-knit bubble, um, which is awesome. Um, the main priority is to keep everyone safe and well and to be able to get everyone home. And yeah, I think that um, it's all going really well so far and we just get in, train, get out and um, stick to our hotel, which is which is cool. We spoke to Dame Nolene Taurua last week and she said they were taking a, a new approach. So I have to ask you, you've got babies on tour. What's that like? Yeah, I think it's, it's different and it adds a kind of different dynamic to it. And I think um, we're just trying to support the mums as much as we can because it's obviously difficult. And um, bringing the wee ones on tour and just changing time zones and stuff like that. But um, I think they really lighten the mood and they just, they're just they so fun and everyone wants to try and be their auntie. And yeah, it's, it's been really cool. Oh, that's that's brilliant. Okay, so uh, how is the, the mood, the environment in the camp ahead of the game against Australia Sunday morning our time? Yeah, I think everyone's really excited. We've um, only really kind of had a couple of trainings, but I think everyone's the intensity's been really high. Um, as soon as we hit the court, it was it was full on, so that's been good. And yeah, I think a little bit nervous. It's kind of the unknown. We haven't played Australia for um, nearly over a year, and yeah, a few newbies in the team. So I think it's always that anticipation of um, what's it going to be like, what are they going to bring, how are we going to go, type thing. As a veteran, I hate to use that word, but I'm going to call you a veteran, right? You know, eighty odd caps. I mean. How important is it to get those new camps into the system quickly? Yeah, I think um, it's it's really crucial, especially in this environment when we don't know when the next international kind of test matches will be and they're kind of few and far between at the moment. So um, any opportunity to get them out on the court is, is a good one because it's it's such a step up from um, ANZ and, yeah, it's, it's, you, you don't get the experience unless you kind of get out there and experience it for yourself. So it's going to be crucial. Shannon, with the experience that you have, is every arena just another netball court like you're playing at the copper box or do you take in surroundings and, and look at the wood and the hardwood on the floor and go okay this is just a little bit different uh, no I think it's just, that's what we always try and say it's just the same court same line same hoop type thing and I think um, 
with COVID, especially like sometimes you don't have crowds, sometimes you do. So you've got to be really um, fluid and just go with um, what he was presented. And the fact we can even step out on court and play is is a good thing. So you just kind of got to adapt. And yeah, you just don't take it for granted. What approach is Dame Nolene wanting to take in this quad series? Yeah, I think... Um, Obviously, we'd love to win it, and but I think the main thing is making sure that we progress um, over the four games and just make sure that we are getting what we need to out of it before the Commonwealth Games and um, that we're playing the type of netball that we want to play. And, like, yeah, that's probably the main thing. Yeah, but you would, you would remember not having a great time against England. So what were the takeaways for that English series? Yeah, the main takeaways were kind of um, the ability to push on when we get a lead or when we... When they're kind of coming back at us, we don't just drop kind of eight goals in a row type thing. So um, that ability to to maintain under pressure, I think, is, is going to be crucial. When you look at the series, you go bang, 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 Australia, England and South Africa, although there's a break between England and South Africa. How critical is it to be on your game from the get-go? Because it's very similar in a way to how the, the Com Games works. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the way Commonwealth Games is, and um, there's some pretty big big games in a row there, like Australia and England. Like that's kind of a semi and a final at a at a Com Games or a World Cup. So um, that's going to be crucial, and I think that's a good thing um, for the newbies to experience as well. And um, I suppose just being in January too, it's kind of coming in off summer and haven't had heaps of trainings together, so it's going to be a challenge. But um, I think the beauty of being in such a small bubble and not being able to go out and do stuff is we've got lots of time to kind of do all those little one percenters, recover well, um, good nutrition and lots of rest and recovery. Interesting you talk about being in a bubble and not being able to go out. So do you feel that's a bonus that it becomes a very tight camp? Yeah, it is very tight. Um, but I think we're lucky that it's such a short a short period of time. I think it could get quite taxing if you're going to be um, like this for kind of six weeks to two months type thing. But we're really only in this bubble for like 10 to 12 days. So I think, yeah, it's it's um, it's fine. And like we, we knew what it was going to be like before we came over. So it's nothing unexpected. How, how organised are your days? Yeah, very organised. I think as soon as we wake up, kind of like 7am and we're not quite finished with the day now and it's after 8. So it's all very, um, very structured. We've had about maybe an hour off when we had lunch before we had to start strapping again. So it's been pretty, pretty full on. But I think um, that's good. We're going to smash it out at the start of the week and then kind of taper off a wee bit leading into the games. Do you think a lot of that's also just to take the the mental strain off being, shall we say, in that tight bubble? Yeah, and I think it's it's always good. Like we haven't, I feel like we haven't had much downtime to just be sitting in our room um, on our own, which is something we're also not really used to. So there hasn't really been too much time we've just you kind of sitting there twiddling your thumbs, thumbs or anything like that. So um, yeah, I think it's it's good and everyone works well off routine and structure. Hey, are you going to get crowds there? We we didn't go down that path. Are you, are you allowed crowds at the quad series? Yeah, I think at this, I think it's a moving um, beast at the moment. But I think at this stage, it's going to be at fifty percent capacity and. Um, I think they have to have like negative COVID tests before they come and stuff. But I think yeah, that's rapidly changing as the situation kind of over here develops. So I, at the moment, yes. So we'll see. It's an old school question, but do you thrive off having people in the arena? Oh yeah, it's definitely. Um, it's fantastic when we have a crowd, and especially like an English crowd, they're pretty passionate too. So I think um, it just adds a whole other dynamic to the game and just lifts that kind of um, the pressure and the intensity. And yeah, it, it's it's definitely awesome. There's the pressure of wearing the, the Silver Fern uniform, but how much pressure do you feel knowing what demands the coach has? 
Yeah, I suppose so. And um, yeah, I think it's it's not a pressure as such. It's, it's just an honour, I think. And like, it's a privilege that we get the opportunity to do it. And for lots of the girls, it's um, like they've been here and they've been away and come back. And I think they really, you really cherish the time that you get because it's, it's such a short period of time that you get to be a silver fern. So um, any opportunity that we get to pull it on is a brilliant one. And personally, genuine excitement that A, this is the start of the Com Games campaign? Yeah, well, I think it feels like it's been like three years in the making and like it's awesome that we're finally in the year that, that it's approaching. And um, yeah, so there's a bit of uncertainty last year around whether it would even go ahead. But after watching the Olympics and how well that kind of went, given a lot more, um, I suppose, certainty around, around the Commonwealth Games. So yeah, it's awesome that it's, it's fast approaching and um, yeah, keen to have some good performances out there. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Shannon. Go well and get used to reading lots of baby stories. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you. Shannon Saunders joining us on SENZ this morning. Mid-quarter, Southern Steel mid-quarter and also mid-quarter for the Silver Ferns ahead of their quad series at the Copper Box Arena in London. Interesting to note, they are living in a bubble. And and even even she said, well, I found fascinating that she said, well, we're only in this bubble for 10 or 12 days. I'm going, cripes. You must really want to get on with your teammates uh, if you want to be in that bubble, because they said they're not allowed to go out. So they're being very cautious about it all. 5.15 Sunday morning, the Silver Ferns against Australia live on Sky Sport. Then on Monday morning, same time, England. Wednesday against South Africa. Then Thursday morning... It's the playoff for third and fourth and also the final in the quad series. England are going to have to play without Joe Harton, who is the captain of the Giants in the Suncorp Netball Super Series in Australia. She tested positive for COVID prior to her flight, so they were uh, without their star shooter. Uh, that is the Roses. And the Diamonds, well, as you'd expect, they are going in with that classic Australian attitude. Uh, the Nepal Australia boss Kelly Ryan has said her national team is as hungry as ever to take back top spot of this year's Com Games after two devastating losses in 18 and 19. She's revealed the message to both the squad and head coach Stacey Marinkovic as the group set out to prove Australia is still number one in netball in the world. No, you're not. New Zealand is. Yeah. We've got the World Cup but and England says, are the Commonwealth we're still champs. number one. We want to prove we are still number one. Oh, good on you, Aussie. They don't take <laughs> losing very well, do they, Stephen? Not being the World Cup champions and not being the Commonwealth champions, yeah. but they still want to stand on their little grandstand and say, we're number one. But they have come out and said, um, excuse me, but because of COVID, the Diamonds have barely trained in the last year. We're defeating their last international test series against New Zealand in March in 2021. I wish I had a tiny violin. <laughs> Australia, hey, everyone's done that, Australia. Everyone yeah. in the world. Oh, it's going to be a great little series, this one. But this is what I love about Australians and Australian sport. You never, ever show a weakness. You never yep. show the weakness. You might have three of your best players out. We'll still beat you. We'll, stake, we'll still take you all the way. And that, and that, I think, is that's endemic, I think, in Australian sport. And that's why people call it arrogance. I just call it an amazing confidence. And I, and I love that. It's 10.43. Just confirming, we are going to talk to Kai Kara France at 11 o'clock this morning. 
Uh, he has uh, got a, a, a flyweight title eliminator in March in a UFC fight night. He's up against someone that likes to ground and pound and get on the ground and wrestle, whereas we know he likes to stand up and kick people in the head and knock them out real quick. Uh, we'll talk to Kai Kara at 11 o'clock this morning. Of course, we'll also play Stumping Stephen as well after 11.30. Don't get on the phone right now. I was just uh, just t- reminding you of that. So there's a lot to come for. Uh, look forward to after midday. We talked to New Zealand tennis player Erin Rutliff about her doubles campaign. She's currently the Adelaide Inter- International, and she will be in a quarterfinal today. So Aaron talks to us live from Adelaide after 11 and Kai Car at 12, should I say. Kai Car of France coming your way at el- just after 11 o'clock this morning here on SENZ. Hey, Ricardo Ball here. Download the SENZ app and listen to us anywhere, anytime. Or if you're in Masterton, listen to us on 91.1 FM. Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. This is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. That'll be the theme song, hopefully, for Kai Kara France on March 27th, UFC Fight Night, as he takes on a pretty handy fighter, Askar Askarov, who is unbeaten in the UFC at the moment and a flyweight title eliminator. He will be the one that wants to say, I'm still standing, become the number one contender for the UFC flyweight crown. And that is a lot to look forward to. We have Kai Kara France coming your way just after 11am this morning here on SENZ Summer Days. In the world of Formula One, which, you know, I, I love motorsport, it is an intriguing old time. And the big question standing around everything at the moment is, will Lewis Hamilton, seven-time Formula One World Drivers' Champion, returned to the sport after what happened in Abu Dhabi in the final round, which saw young Max Verstappen win his first title on the back of, well, you could say an incorrect application of the rules by race director Michael Massey. So this is where it stands at the moment. And I remember vividly saying to someone, I'm not sure if he's going to come back because he was asked in the post-match interview or post-race interview uh, about 2020, 2022 and he straight away said, oh, we'll see. And I went, whoa. And straight away within 24 hours, people were going, hang on, what does he mean? So and the latest is this, he's undecided. He is not going to decide He's got a contract for another year, by the way, with Mercedes, whether he will return to Formula One this year. He wants to see the results of the inquiry into the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. He is still, quote, disillusioned, according to his boss, Toto Wolff, as a result of last year's title-deciding race. He lost the championship after FIA race director Michael Massey, who they called for his head, but he won't go, and he's not going to go, did not apply the rules correctly in the late safety car period. And so what Hamilton is saying is he's lost trust in the governing body as a result. The team and Hamilton are said to be aligned on the issue and waiting to see what action the FIA take. The FIA has launched an inquiry into the events and is aware of both Hamilton's unhappiness and has a big task at hands to win back the seven times champion's confidence. Okay, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. 
Who's running the show here? Who's running the show? Okay, you're lost. It's, it felt unfair, and maybe it was. I don't think it was. It is what it is. He, he said during the thing, this has been manipulated. But who's running the show? Is Lewis Hamilton running F1? Or are F1 running F1? Because as far as I'm concerned, he's been a bit of a sock here. I understand it. We, you and I, don't understand the gravity of racing cars at over 300 kilometres an hour, having somewhat like a 1,000 people. They've got a 1,000 people working for them back at Brackley in England to make sure that their cars are the best in the world. And the rules are changing this year. And maybe he's a little bit nervous because they're trying to find parity with all the cars so we don't have runaways, bigger size wheels, uh, salary caps, the whole nine yards. And it's going to be a huge year for Formula One. But who's who's the sook here? That's all. Got a thought? 0800 10.59. Jared, what do you think of Lewis Hamilton's attitude? I think you're quite right, Stephen. Uh, he's a sook. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you, th- there is no denying he's incredibly talented, but when you get your toys taken out, uh, I mean, do you think he has justification to be angry? Uh, look, um, I, I'll be honest, Stephen. I used to love Formula One, and and uh, I was a massive Michael Schumacher fan. Um, and over the years, I, I missed the V8s. I missed the the, the out and out racing. Uh, and really went off the sport because of the dominance of Mercedes yep. year after year. Uh, but I, I don't like his attitude, Steve. He, Stephen. He, he's not a, a man's man. Look, get on with it. You know, he, he had a lot of decisions this year that went uh, his way, and a lot that didn't go Max's way. Um, you know, it, 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 uh, it is what it is, and I... I I really don't like his attitude, and uh, <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. You and you and Mur, you and Mur, you and Murph are arm and arm on that one, Jed. And look, I, I appreciate you calling in this morning no, too. Yes, sir. Uh, I know you, you hate them. You, you, you don't be a hater. You're a good man. Thanks, Jared. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. If you've got some thoughts on Lewis Hamilton and still thinking I may not come back because I lost my title on the last lap. Coming up, Kai Kara France live out of the states here on SENZ Summer Days. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. This is SENZ Summer Days. Oh, it is a classic. It is a Kiwi classic, but also the ring walk for the number six UFC flyweight contender, Kai Kara France. I did say via the States. Well, it is via the States, now via MIQ in Christchurch, and he joins us right now. Morning, Kai. Get up. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just uh, day, day four. 
and in my queue of the family, my, my wife and my son. So counted down the days so I can go celebrate with the family and um, finally get some good food in me. <laughs> what, you didn't have good food in that little break in Hawaii at all? <laughs> no, we, we've definitely been eating good, but, you know, you miss a home-cooked meal and, and um, all the all that good stuff. Well, congratulations, first of all, on that that, that cracking knockout of Kobe Gabrant, excuse me, the other day. But now, and you said you wanted to go, you know, I'm a title contender, I'm a title contender. You didn't get exactly what you wanted, but, man, uh, unbeaten Asgar Askarov on March 27. How excited are you about this? Yeah, it's, I guess it's the next, the next best thing, not getting a title fight, but um, pretty much this is the number one contender fight, so... When it came across the table, I just said, I'll put on hold, I'll go have a little break in Hawaii, celebrate with the family. And then when I got back to New Zealand, uh, yeah, we, we got the deal uh, all done. So it's actually going to be on my birthday, March 26th in America. That's when we'll be fighting. So, um, you know, what a great way to, to celebrate a birthday than getting a highlight reel knockout and, and getting a title shot. So just carrying on this momentum from my last fight, you know, fighting a former champion and being on one of the biggest cards of the year, um, making a statement and uh, making people recognise that, you know, I am a contender. And, um, yeah, now we just pick up where we left off, 2022, for the year, but uh, going to start out the best way. What's changed with Kaikara France? I mean, the confidence oozing out of your paws is, is unbelievable. You know, you had, you've had a couple of losses, then you come back and start just showing people that you can knock people out. What has changed in the way you approach fights now? Um, I guess it's yeah, the combination of things, but you know, you've got to believe you're the champ before you become the champ. So um, it's just the mindset that uh, I've been working on. Obviously, training with world world champions at my gym, Israel and, and Alex, um, and, and under our head coach Eugene Berman. It just it's a, it you know comes off you. It's contagious that kind of mindset and um, just yeah, just that self belief. I work a lot with um, a sports psychologist, David Neath, as well as our breathing coach, David Wood. And it's all, you know, connected, um, channeling all of that stuff and controlling what you can. And now you're seeing all of that work um, in my fights, the lead up to it. There's no, you know, doubt. There's no self-doubt. There's no second-guessing yourself once you step in the ring. It's just you and your opponent. doesn't matter if they're a former champ, if they're what, what, what they've done in the sport, um, you know what you bring to the table, so... Uh, yeah, just that self-belief is the difference as well as I'm a father now as well. You know, I'm providing for my family and uh, being being a role model for my son. That was his first ever event um, and um, it couldn't have gone any better than being in the stadium as well as my wife. And yeah, just, just channeling all that support from back home. You know, I definitely felt it when on fight week and on fight night, I knew everyone back home was watching. And, uh, you know, when I when I win, we win. So I know I made a lot of people money back home. So, um, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> two, two important things you mentioned there, right? First of all, uh, being a dad. The second, being able to focus and channel everything in. So let's, let's start with that, folks. As you mentioned, you have a breathing coach as well, which fascinates me. How hard is it to get to the point of basically having tunnel vision going into the octagon? Yeah, it's something you've got to work on a lot, being present and uh, just staying calm under, like, you know, all the bright lights, all the pressure around you, but not feeling any of that, just, yeah, staying staying focused. And we do a lot of stuff in the pool, like uh, breath work, uh, doing a lot of, uh, I guess, integrating um, what deep 
um, free divers would be doing underneath the water, staying um, calibrated, calibrating their breathing and staying relaxed because if they don't, then you're not going to be able to stay under the water for longer. So our coach, uh, David Woods, come up with a system for high performance, which was integrated into the city kickboxing uh, program. So, you know, something that we've had to evolve and adapt with the sport, combat sports, you know, um, from when I first started, it's it's always evolving and you've got to keep up with the sport, otherwise you get left behind. So you've got to, you know, and, uh, take all these um, new ideas and new techniques and, and use it in your trainings and uh, in your system. And, it, you know, my last camp, I, we, were, we were in Auckland and we were in a lockdown for three, three to four months, so... I didn't even have a gym for my last camp and you saw the product that what I could do. So for this next flight, you know, uh, gym's back open and, and we're, we're back to normal um, normal things. So, yeah, I can't wait to just get back in there. I know the boys are going to be um, deep in their camps already. You know, Israel, Bloods and Carlos are getting ready for their flights in February. So it'll be a cool atmosphere to get back into where, where um, everyone's just, you know, guns blazing um, deep into their into the last weeks of their camp. So I'll just be picking up we're we're there about to head off, and and I'll just uh, continue that momentum. So, yeah, just p- picking and choosing all these new these new coaches, and uh, yeah, using it for uh, to a full advantage. Kai, can I just probe a little deeper on the whole water breathing thing? Because I just wonder: a, are you naturally a water person, and b, does it actually bring the element of fear? And overcoming fear of holding your breath and breathing underwater, is that part of the training aspect and, and of being able to focus and, and eliminate the fear factor? Yeah, it's it's more of um, using, uh, I guess, water as the resistance to stay calm. So when you're, before you even get, um, go under the water, you're, you're trying to stay, get as, as re- relaxed and into that um relaxed mindset straight away and then when you're at the bottom of the pool that's the probably most peaceful place because you don't have to think about anything but right then in that moment so when you're Mm -hmm. walking out to the octagon or when you're in a submission and you have to stay relaxed otherwise you're gonna uh, start to hyperventilate Um, and then in in between the rounds you only have one minute every you know you've been taught all your life in, in sport just breathe just breathe but if you don't know how to breathe properly, you're not going to maximise that one minute. So, um, you know, we're, we've done a lot of that. Obviously, not going to give away all our secrets, but you know, you, you, we've really been working hard on all of these things to um, maximise that one percent advantage because at the top top level, that makes all the difference. So, um, yeah, I know my opponent's not doing what we're doing, um, and um, that's where all the confidence comes from. When I when I get on that flight to wherever we're fighting in Vegas or halfway across the world, um, you know, I've, I know I've ticked all the boxes, I've done, you know, all the work in the gym, all the extra work, the strength training, the breathing training, the, the mental training, uh, so now it's just the fun part, you know, when I step in there, I'm, I'm not, you know, the, the the son, the brother, the father, I'm the Superman version of myself, which is, I channeled my Tupon and my Maori uh, warrior spirit, and um, yeah, I, I channel all of that, and when I get in there, yeah, it's it's a different, different pie. Kyle, the way you've explained it makes complete sense. And I also understand that being a father, being one myself, uh, what that means. But when, you, when you're up against someone who comes out of the Khabib gym, who'll probably want to get you onto the ground, how do you then train for that? Because you like to stand up and knock them down. 
Well, you know, every fight starts standing, so straight away we're in my ballpark. He's got to get me to the ground, and once we get to the ground, he's got to keep me there. So, you know, I pride myself having one of the best scrambles in the UFC. You know, you can see that you can see the track record. Um, people that have got me down, um, they can't keep me there, and I, I don't stay there for long. So, I welcome it. You know, I want to see the best the best version of um, Askar Askarov. I want to see him what he brings to the table. He's got a few decisions. Um, on his record, you know he's undefeated, uh, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm willing to, you know, um, stop his undefeated record and, and uh, you know, take his spot. He's number two. When this, when this fight came across the table, you know, I did say that to the UFC I wanted a title fight, uh, but then also I'm not going to just sit around and wait for something to happen. I'm going to go out and take it. So when they offered me this fight, you know, I just jumped on it. I said, why not? You know, I'm hurt with no injuries. Let's just do it again. So. Uh, 11 weeks to prepare for this. It's going to be in front of a crowd in Columbus, Ohio. So that's what the fights need. They need to be in front of crowds. It doesn't do, us, do it justice at the Apex or on Fight Island and the, in the studios. Fights need um, the energy, the, the, the crowd, and um, that's what makes the fight. So, yeah, I can't wait to, to do it all again, you know, and just uh, continue this reign. I told everyone this is this is my year. The um, my title run, and it starts now. So, like I said before, it's not too late to jump on a hype train and, uh, <laughs> and let's do it. <laughs> uh, how, how much of a fighter have you changed? You've both fought the champ, Marino, right? You got the loss, he got the draw. Yeah. How much have you changed as a fighter since that encounter? So that was in 2019. That was in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena. Um, you know, a lot of positives I can take away from that fight against the current champion, Brandon Moreno. I dropped him twice in the first round. He did well to adjust, um, but, you know, a lot has changed since that fight. He's obviously gotten better, and I, I've gotten better. Um, but the thing about the sport, it's about momentum, it's about self-belief. And um, with the Cody fight, you know, Cody had his time back in 2017 when he was the champ, uh, but it's my time now. So now two fights, both first rounds, uh, knockouts. Uh, it's going to be no different this fight. You know, I'm just coming in bad intentions, and uh, I want to put it on him. I want to see the best version. I want to stuff him. When he goes for that takedown, stop it, and then put him away. So uh, that's how I see the fight happening, and uh, that's how I'll be visualizing it. So you know, I'm already back to. I didn't really, even though I was on a holiday in in Hawaii, I, I ran a marathon just before Christmas. Um, you know, I've, I've constantly been training, keeping my weight down. Um, staying ready. So, uh, yeah, I haven't really stopped training since the fight. So, uh, yeah, we'll just pick up where we left on and, and get everything firing again. You're kidding me, right? You ran a marathon before Christmas? Yeah, yeah just to make room for a uh, uh, bunch. So. <laughs> that, that's the kind of mindset I have right now. Oh, my no. God. What sort of time did you do? I did it, did it just over, you know, I'm not a yeah, runner, yeah. but I did it just to... Just to push myself, I did that just over four four hours. Well, hey, mate, that's that's mate. Just running a marath- marathon, I'm saying. Hey, um, I, I got to ask you, as a, as a UFC fighter, and when you're now at a level that you are, how many? What's what's healthy for the body as far as the number of fights per year? Well, with this pandemic, you know, we've it's really been a been hard for New Zealand UFC fighters. Only been able to at most do two fights a year. Usually we'd do four, four fights a year. Um, that's what I'd like to do, you know, having a few months in between. Uh, but my coach, Eugene, he always says, you don't have holidays when you're fighting. When you choose this as a career, you can have a holiday when you retire. So 
that, yeah, that's that's what makes it different. That's why we have so many high-caliber fighters in our gym. We don't really have time off through Christmas, New Year's. You know, Izzy and all the boys, we're training right through just because they know they have fights coming up. So um, ideally, you know, I want to keep the ball rolling and, and fight as much as I can this year. So if I can get three or four um, in, you know, I'll be happy. But my, my goal is to be the UFC flyweight world champion. So if I can, well, once I get past this next guy... Um, I want to bring the title title fight back to New Zealand or Australia. I want to give a give a fight to to you know our people. We haven't had a fight um, in over two years. Uh, UFC Auckland was the last one uh, down these way, so you know it would be awesome to have the UFC come back to this side of the world. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Will you take the family with you on this next fight trip, or just uh, leave them at home and spare them another MIQ? <laughs> yeah, it was a great experience. You know, my son's actually been really good traveling. Um, he's been to so many. He's been on nearly seven flights, which is more than a lot of people in the last two years. So, pretty pretty lucky. But yeah, I, I think for this next fight, it's just going to be uh, just the fight team. Um, I'm sure a few of the other boys will be, get on this card with me. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's definitely a different journey when you take the whole family with you. But at that time, we didn't know when we were coming home. Lucky enough, New Zealand Sport came through with our MIQ spot. So, um, yeah, very thankful for that. So hopefully, we can get another one if uh, MIQ is still around in March. Mate, there's genuine excitement about uh, the way you are performing at the moment. There is one other person I want to ask you a question about because we've seen him in the, in the King in the Ring a lot. He's got a style that reminds me a little bit. It, well, it's a style I, I, I think that is going to surprise a lot. How do you think Blood Diamond goes? Yeah, Bloods, he's a good friend and good teammate of mine. Um, he's an exciting fighter because you just don't know what to expect. If you took a blueprint of um, how to fight, Bloods is the complete opposite. <laughs> he's got his own his own style, his own technique, uh, but it works for him. Uh, so, yeah, he, I'm excited, especially in four-ounce gloves. Um, his style is made for, for the UFC. So his debut, um, I know he's been training hard, and he's got a lot of experience. So you, you'll see that come fight night. For him, uh, you know, the UFC is the biggest stage, but you'll see him just shine underneath those bright, <laughs> bright lights. So, yeah, I can't wait. Carlos is a uh, comeback fight as well, so I'm excited to see him back in action. And obviously Israel rematching against yeah. Robert Whitaker. Um, I don't see it going any differently than the first fight, but in saying that, you know, Whitaker, Robert Whitaker has done well since that, that loss. You know, he's admitted it, uh, the better man won that night, which a lot of the middleweights in... Izzy's weight class haven't haven't given him his credit. They've made excuses. They you know it was the weight card. Uh, I won this fight. They blame the judges, but you know Robert Whitaker actually has improved since their fight. So that makes it for an exciting matchup. I feel like he's going to wrestle more, but uh, yeah, I feel like Israel's going to be too too sharp. He'll eventually find a way to get to, back to his feet, if not just stuff the takedown and uh, put him away. So I'm excited. Looks like another three-peat. <laughs> I'm liking your styles, buddy. Enjoy day four and beyond in MIQ with your wife and your and your baby, and we will talk again, mate. Uh, take it easy. I appreciate the time. Thank you.
Kai Kara France, how about that? He is uh, Matt. He is in a different ballpark already. Just his attitude. Though I was fascinated, fascinated by the breathing, the whole breathing thing, John. That, or should I say, Brian? Now, did you know they, Brian? Did you? Oh, you just hang up off that school. Were you? Did you know about that whole breathing uh, training re- regime they go through? Yeah, yeah, I've oh. seen some of it on Instagram. It's impressive how they get under the pool and they just they sit. It reminds me of um, Jean Claude Van Damme and kickboxer. And he's sitting like at the bottom of this pool, like just meditating, you know, looking all zen and everything. And they're doing it on Instagram. They're doing it for real. And they're under there for ages. Yeah, I mean, so for me, it, it, you know, the fear factor, and I thought yeah. well, it, and it must be part of it, to sit underwater, hold your breath, yeah. and then get, get past the fear of running out of breath and then get into that, as you would might describe, that Zen moment. But fascinating. When he, the, way he well, the way he talks about it, eh? it's like it's but, nothing. But it's fascinating, right? Yeah. It's just another Absolutely. way. That's the mindset. And as he said, about that 1% to get ahead of everybody else. And yeah. uh, So, okay, you've heard him talk now. You weren't convinced prior to 11 o'clock that he could go all the way. Now what do you think? No, I wasn't convinced two fights ago. Now I'm definitely convinced. <laughs> Okay, you sure you're sticking on the same path here? You are? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, so uh, there you go. If you want to hear Kai Kara France, you can go to Mornings with Smithy on the SENZ app or whatever you listen to your podcast, whatever platform you use, you can listen to it again and have a think about that one. March 27, uh, in March 26, actually, US time, March 27 hours, but it's on his birthday. Askar Askarov, number two versus number six. Can he can he stop him? He says he can stop him. We stand. What's the quote? Uh, we start standing up, uh, and that's how I like to do it. So it, that's it's in quote my ballpark. Kai Kara France live here on SENZ Summer Days. It's eleven twenty two. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 11.27 this Wednesday nationwide with Stephen McCarvey. You know the number to call, 0800 11 if you want to talk about anything that we have discussed so far. We're here till 2. Uh, Jayanti says, it's a big dummy spit if Lewis Hamilton retires. I might address that in Jack Link's Makes You Think before midday today. As reported by Stuff yesterday, it was actually really encouraging to read that the uh, Black Ferns are a step closer to being full professional with new contracts set to be announced by New Zealand Rugby soon. Uh, there is a suggestion, this is what Stuff understands, quote, uh, that payments will increase to about 35000 uh, with base retainers being topped up with assembly and appearance fees. So, you know, at the lower end, you can make sixty k a year and the higher earning black ferns can earn in excess of one hundred and thirty. Now, the Blackfoons first received part-time contracts in 2018, but since then, uh, the game of women's rugby has exploded in popularity and also the way it is being played. It makes it an attractive sport. So it's actually really encouraging that NZR, yes, I'm saying something good, that NZR has actually looked at this and recognised the importance of women's rugby to the sport going forward. Most importantly, in a World Cup year and on the back of a tour to France and England, which was pretty average to say the best. And of course, they've got their ongoing investigation into 
a coach maybe not doing the things he should have done and and but I think we have to I think the important thing is we have to look at the positives here and when you think about the positives the Blackfern sevens are an enormous positive it's the 15 person game that needs to sort its stuff out but you know they are multiple world champions. let's not forget the Black Ferns are multiple world champions. So what we may have seen in the past six months could be what we, we like to say is a blip and is a, a timely reminder that they are behind the eight ball and they need to be at a different level come the World Cup later this year here in New Zealand. So it's just worth noting that I think it's a good sign that ends that I realise that if you want to perform like England done, did, God, that's terrible English, did, then you have to have your players as full-time professionals. It's the way that England have done it, and look how they destroyed the Black Ferns on that tour. So I will say hats off, small golf clap, little golf clap to NZR for recognising that and moving forward with women's rugby. And here's hoping it does the trick. Maybe it is that that incentivizes them to say, you know what, let's just get on with this and go and show them why we are multiple world champions. Just a reminder now, almost forgot. How could I forget? (gasps) Can you stump me? Would you like the chance to try and stump me? 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. Time to stump Stephen. Here we go. Stumped by Stephen. Here we go. That time of the day where you can win 50 bucks from the TAB and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive. Sleep Drops, New Zealand's only specialist range of stress and support supplements. I hopefully got that out correctly. And on the line, we've got Steve from West Auckland. Or are you like Stephen McIver, Steve, and you like to be a Stephen? Oh, I'm a bit more relaxed about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Settle down, <laughs> settle down. Come on, mate. We don't want to poke the beer, Steve. We don't want to poke the beer. How's West Auckland? How about this heat at the moment? Oh, mate, yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh, it's nice for short periods of time, but uh, yeah, then back inside. Yeah, hope you got a good aircon. All right, you know how this game works. You get three sporting categories. You choose one, then three questions come your way. And if you get them all right, you don't need to worry about anything. You win all the prizes. But as soon as you get one wrong, Stephen McIver can come in and stump you, and you can leave with nothing. So today we have motorsport, combat sports, and rugby union. Which one of those do you like? Ah, uh, we'll go combat. Combat sports. Did you hear Kaikata France just before? Yeah, absolutely, man. Has he just switched to another gear lately? It's just unreal. Hope he goes well in his next fight. All right, Steve, combat sports coming your way. Must say, these were written by um, our fight sports expert, panellist Brian Rarity, who sits next to me. So you know they're going to be good questions. UFC 271, Adesanya vs Whitaker 2, scheduled for February 13th, where Stylebender will defend his middleweight championship against the New Zealand-born Mozzie Bobby Knuckles, a.k.a. Robert Whitaker. The card features two of his CKB teammates, with one making his debut. Name one of those other CKB teammates who will be on the card. Uh, but That's a couple of chips down the wicket. 
right in the slot, and away it goes. You would have got there, right, Stephen? You would yeah, have got yeah, both yeah. the fighters. Carlos Allberg and, and Mike Blood Diamond, yeah. Is Carlos Allberg too good looking to be a good fighter? Way too good looking. Yeah. Yes. We're all completely envious. So jealous. But, I, but I, I will throw it out there, and Brian might might uh, agree or disagree with me. Not sure if he's going to make it in the UFC. Yeah, time will tell, but yeah. Okay, right. Moving I've, on. I've never seen my partner so interested in fighting before <laughs> than when Carlos last fought. She was really keen to watch it. Shush, John. John, be quiet. Yeah. Look out of the baby. Shush, John. Yeah, exactly. Wow. All right, Steve, on to question number two. Jake Paul has recently become the most successful Disney kid turned juiced up boxer ever making his name <laughs> fighting on other YouTubers, wrestlers and basketballers. His brother Logan is said to have a huge scrap lined up in 2022. Name the rumoured opponent for Logan Paul this uh, year. I have no idea. Yeah, chuck, chuck a boxer's name out there that, you know, just comes to mind. Oh, that's um, One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not the Pac-Man, no. Stephen, was a chance for a stumping. It, was it Floyd? One of the worst things no. I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, Floyd Mayweather, too small. Both those guys too small. Mike Tyson. Oh. He's rumoured to fight no. this year. Well, it's not going to happen, well, is it, Steve? He's a muppet if he takes on Tyson, yeah. even, at, even at Tyson's day. Have you seen how, how his his kit? He is ripped, his, baby. Yeah. He's 50-odd. He looks in great yes. nick. Yeah, he may be getting blazed all the time, but he is still looking after himself, Mike Tyson. It's legal over there. It's legal. Yeah. Settle down. Hot boxing with Mike Tyson. Great, great we watch. <laughs> all right, you're still alive, Steve. Going for the sleep drops <laughs> and the 50 bucks. IBF, WBA, WBO and IBO heavyweight champ Alexander Usyk is said to be thinking about a switch back to cruiserweight to chase a super fight against a four-weight class champion with a record of 57 wins, one loss and two draws. Name that boxer. Cruiserweight? No. 57 wins, one loss, two draws. You're not going to name that boxer. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't. Oh, we'll, just, we'll just say uh, Mayweather, and it's not, but yeah, Floyd Mayweather. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Stephen McIver for a stumping. Canelo. If you get this one, is it Canelo? It's going to. That's not oh. the chips down the wicket. Right yeah. in the slot, under where it goes. It is Canelo Alvarez. You have been knocked out in the third round, Steve, by Stephen McIver, and that means it's going to jackpot tomorrow to a hundred bucks. Unlucky, mate. Well played. Good on you, boys. Thanks, mate. Appreciate the time as well. Okay, so my record on stumping is starting to improve somewhat, isn't it? Doing very well, Stephen. So Monday you got two. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it yesterday. Yesterday I I got stumped yesterday. Someone got the chocolates, 100 bucks, but today... Yeah. Come back and a jackpot tomorrow. uh, When you look at at Canelo, man, you know, he's almost a freak of nature. I, I, I... I mean, maybe our fight expert can just step in here. Yeah, I'm sorry. absolutely. I'm sorry. Excuse me for a moment. <laughs> but when you look at the opponents that Alvarez has had, how mu- how much of that do you think has been, you know, cushioned, uh, and, and then have gen- genuine, <laughs> genuine, you know, <laughs> yeah, competitors? Yeah. Well, just like Floyd uh, Triple G, probably three quarters is padded. Yeah. But the you know their their main fights, like I mean, his only loss right is to Floyd. Yeah, that's his only. And that's a long loss. time ago, right? And a long time ago, I think. If this version of Floyd was, it would be different. But it's never going to happen because Floyd 
We'll stay away. Yeah. But uh, Canelo is amazing. Probably pound for pound the greatest. Oh, I think I, I think so, right? Yeah. And he's a beast. Yeah. He's an absolute Everywhere. beast. Defense, we, we, you can throw that word out, you know, liberally, but when you look at Alvarez, yeah. total beast. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for your thoughts on that, Brian. Fight. We'll call it. Start calling him Fight Brian, not Fight. Yeah, Brian. Brian. Fight. Fight. Brian. It's eleven thirty nine. I've got something on my mind. We might do that after this wee break, shall we? Yes. Let's do that. Kiwi for sport. Jack Links makes you think. Irresistible flavour to satisfy your hunger. It is 11.43 on this Wednesday morning and Jack Links makes you think, thanks to the all-new maple and brown brown sugar ham jerky. And today in Jack Links makes you think, how much influence should sporting superstars have on the sport that they play in? As mentioned earlier today, Lewis Hamilton is still, quote, disillusioned with Formula One after failing to win a record eighth driver's title in 2020, losing on the last lap to Max Verstappen from Red Bull after a late safety car intervention and apparent, in his words, over race radio, manipulation of the rules by race director Michael Massey. Here's the thing. On multiple occasions, Hamilton has been unafraid during the season and seasons before to voice his dissatisfaction if races or decisions did not go his way. But to suggest, nay, try backhandedly influence the FIA in their decision-making before deciding whether to race again smacks of exactly what he accused race director Michael Massey of. Manipulation. Now, am I being too harsh? So we try to find some balance here. Maybe, just maybe... On the other side of the ledger, Lewis Hamilton is saying, I'm angry, but consistency of application of the rules must be at the forefront. And yes, that does make sense. You see, athletes in my mind have always been the meat in the sandwich in any sport. That's why, as you have seen in the past 12 months, player associations in this country seemingly have so much power. And all you have to do is just look at the slow-burning Silver Lake deal that New Zealand NZR are trying to get across the line, being held up by the Rugby Players Association to make sure, and it depends how you look at this, that the players are not being taken advantage of and not giving the game away to a commercial entity. But at what point do sporting organisations say... Our rules, play by them. And instantly what comes to mind is the UFC. Mark Hunt, as the title of his new movie coming out this month, suggests is in the fight of his life. Because he wants to make sure fighters get their fair share of the winnings and the earnings that the UFC do because of the multi-multi-million dollars that they make. It's, it's a billion-dollar industry. He says... And he said to us here on SENZ Summer Days that whoopee-doo, they get a $50,000 fight fight bonus, but they should be being paid a lot more because that fight bonus is actually making up what they're not being paid. And he doesn't want UFC fighters, as he did, fighting openly against dopers. But what are the UFC doing? 
They're quite simply giving him the finger. They are saying, our sandpit, our rules, like it or love it. So is it time, in this instance, that fighters rebelled in the UFC and said, we don't fight until there is pay parity and stronger rules in place to protect our earning potential. So the question remains, how fine should the balance be between player power having a greater say in their sport and the organisations that run their sport to say, hang on a minute. I think what we are heading towards And I think you see this in the NFL, of course, we've been talking about this ad finitum, is that the health and well-being of our athletes is paramount. And in sports that make millions on millions of dollars as an entity, but also for their players, the balance must be pretty much equal because in the end, everybody is making a lot of money. But no individual should be greater than the sport. Yes, maybe, to create change. Cue Colin Kaepernick. But it should be a collaborative approach. You are always going to find in some situation someone standing, making a stand for what they believe is right. Nothing wrong with that. But as a constant, I think collaboration is the key. And I don't think in the Lewis Hamilton case, if we go right back to the beginning... This has anything to do with that. He's just a tiny bit sooky. And that was Jack Link's Makes You Think. Thanks to the all-new ham jerky with hickory smoke and a dash of maple and brown sugar because they've gone the whole hog. That did make me think, Stephen. Oh, okay. So it really did. So I want, you, so I want your opinion on well, this. For a start... Lewis Hamilton's not going to walk away from Formula One, is he? What else would he do? Oh, he wants he wants to be a fashion designer because uh, one of her, the the sponsors is Tommy Hilfiger, right? Okay. And Tommy Hilfiger, he wears Tommy Hilfiger. He has a genuine uh, interest in that, and that's fine. He's made enough money not to to race again. But what about like money? Yeah, money's great and everything. But what about legacy? What about becoming the greatest driver Formula One has ever seen? Like, because he's not quite there yet, but he's right on the precipice, isn't he? It's it's an interesting one. We we talk about this long and hard because you know no one has ever won eight drivers championships, and that was it. I maintain now, after thinking long and hard, if he'd won eight, I think he might have called it quits, because the pressure. And I think he loves a challenge. And as I mentioned earlier, that with the changes now going on in Formula One, salary caps, they've changed the car designs, they're trying to make them get closer parity, you know, so we see more, more exciting more, racing. More exciting yeah. racing, right? Uh, the salary cap one's huge because when you look at Mercedes who have upwards of a thousand, a thousand people working on two cars over a season, there's a thousand people, right? I wouldn't say unlimited funds, but more than a lot of um, more than a lot of the other teams, you know, even Ferrari's got plenty of money, but they couldn't, they can't seem to find the 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 the, the special mojo at the moment. You go, I think now that they're trying to find the level playing field, he's going to go right. I've made my point. I've I've put my hand up. I don't care what people think. And I don't think he's the type that worries about what people think. No, or does he? He's huge support from Toto Wolf. But the sport is going, has gone through a huge growth period, and I think he will want to walk away as the guy that was 
won eight drivers' championships. Absolutely. For me, growing up, it was Michael Schumacher. Yeah. Schumacher was the greatest, seventh. Well, he's like the Michael Jordan and Lewis Hamilton's almost like the LeBron James. Ooh, yeah. See, the question remains, the question remains... How much more dominant was Michael in certain cars? He started with Benetton, then went to Ferrari, and one of my, most of his ties with Ferrari, right? Yeah. How much different is the racing then than it was now? Because we, we talked about this some time ago with Murph and I on race control. And when you think about it, in the days of Schumacher and before, there were only ever two or three major teams that were still dominant. Hmm. It was Ferrari. McLaren, McLaren and Williams, Williams yeah. right? Now you look and go, Mercedes, Red Bull, Red Bull. maybe Ferrari, and you and McLaren are coming again. So, mm. not a lot has changed. Yeah, true. Technology has changed, but I would argue with anyone to try and sit in a Formula One car and try and race it at the speeds and the reaction times that are required and the fitness that is required to pilot those things around racetracks. Yeah. And the immense pressure that comes not from the teams, but also from the sponsors. We're talking a multi-billion dollar exercise, and they're making it harder now because they're adding more races. There's going to be a new race in Miami this year, which is cool, right? Because Drive to Survive, the Netflix series, has... Sprout this uh, huge interest in America with Formula One, and that is a market they need to be in. Yep. Guangzhou is racing for Alfa Romeo with Valtteri Bottas, first Chinese driver. You know that's going to spruik interest there. So balance is the key. Have they got the balance? Who knows? We'll find out. It's eleven fifty-three. Great Kiwis building up other great Kiwis. SCNZ. There's a new team in town. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 11.58, coming your way after lunchtime. Today we're going to talk to Aaron Routliff, New Zealand tennis player, who had a pretty solid 2020, picking up her first doubles title and being in three other finals. She's in a quarterfinal in Adelaide today at the Adelaide International, ahead of the Australian Open, which obviously raises the question, does Novak Djokovic stay or go? At the moment, he's staying. He won that court battle, uh, which was his decision, his visa cancellation, uh, overturned by what can only be described in my words as a tone-deaf judge. Uh, There is still the likelihood, though, that the Australian government will enforce the fact that he's working against the rules despite the court decision, and he could uh, could be sayonara, see you later, thanks for coming. I'd love to know what you think about this. Everybody's got an opinion about Novak Djokovic, or something saying Novak Djokovic. Yeah, heard that one before. But I'd love to know what you think about it. He has knowingly been an anti-vaxxer and not vaxxed, and yes, he's caught COVID. We get all that. But rules are rules. So I want to know from you what you think about the Novak Djokovic situation. Should he be allowed to play because if he's not there, it takes a lot of shine off the men's draw, singles draw, at the Australian Open? 0800 150 That's 0800 150 And at half past 12 today, we talked to one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, Paul Eiffel, former Wellington Phoenix player, to get his opinion on Chris Wood going to Newcastle. He's with Burnley, going to Newcastle, both in the fight of their lives to actually remain in the 
Premier League. What does he think? What do you think? You know the number, 0800 150 811 on SENZ Summer Days. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. This is SNZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. Put on your boogie shoes, baby. There's so much to come before midday. In a moment, we go to Adelaide to talk to tennis player Aaron Radliff and Paul Eiffel on the Chris Wood transfer. Still don't get this one. We talked about this in the office yesterday. Why would you go to your rival? Why would Burnley allow you to go for your, to your rival, who when you are both going to look at potential relegation? Money, 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 money. Anyway, boogie shoes might be the key to Aaron Ratliff's 2022. She joins us now live from Adelaide. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? You got you got boogie shoes on? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Well, I was just looking at your, your little uh, resume from 2021. You must have had your boogie shoes on, a title, three finals. It was a good year. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good year. A lot of breakout moments for me, so I was really, really proud of myself. Yeah, well, when you, when, when you look at breakout moments, because there was a while then when you were going to throw the towel in, what changed with Aaron Routliff and tennis? Um, I think it was a, it was a, an accumulation of a lot of things. I think probably mostly just the way that I looked at it. Um, I just was a lot more positive and just started having a lot more fun. And then I started to be a little bit more successful. So (laughs) it's an easy thing to say though, but a harder thing to do, Erin. I mean, do you like a lot of people uh, have a sports psychologist, have someone you can talk to, to try and get you through the hard moments and just get your focus back and, and aligned? Yeah, yeah, I do. I started working with one like two and a half years ago, I think. Um, And I was working with one throughout university, but then stopped for a little during my pro career. Um, But then I got another one. So yeah, it definitely helps a lot just to have an outlet, um, someone unbiased to talk you through a lot of that stuff. It's really been so helpful. How big is the release when you know suddenly and you see the result on court? Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's such a, such a great feeling every single time, you know, but you put in the work and then, you know, you see the, the results on the court. It's just like, it's, it's a feeling you can't really explain. Yeah. I mean, everyone is different. It's an individual feeling. Now I'm intrigued. Are you resigned (laughs) to playing doubles or does a single still a go for you? Um, so I play doubles almost fully now um i probably stopped playing singles like a year year and a half ago okay um but like i will sign for some tournaments and sometimes i'll get in and play but yeah i I base my schedule off of my doubles how tough is the doubles in the women's comp at the moment yeah it's tough everyone's everyone's really really good no matter the ranking no matter the age anything like that everyone's really really tough so every match we go out there you just gotta you know be be prepared to be on your best. But but the key is having a regular partner. Now, you've had success with Leila Fernandez. You had a pretty good run at the US Open, if I'm correct. 
Yeah. Are you going to get back together for the Australian Open? Yes, yeah. We're playing the Australian Open together. What makes a good doubles pairing? Oh, so many things. I think obviously the game has to match up, like the game styles, but I think a lot of it has to do with personality as well. So she's really focused and really intense, and I'm more like lighthearted and having a lot of fun on the court. So I think we balance each other well, and we just have a really good time when we play. So I'm excited. <laughs> we played last week, and she got a little bit um, she got a little bit hurt in her single, so we had to withdraw, but we had a good win in our first round, and so I'm excited for Aussie Open to get back out there. That, that, that make, I'm intrigued because you're lighthearted, relaxed, have a bit of fun, and, and you're open with this intense individual. How does that work when, <laughs> when they're so intense, you look at them going, yeah, whatever? <laughs> no, no, I would never say whatever. I think if I said whatever to any of my partners, they would freak out. <laughs> I just like to, you know, I like to be smiling and enjoying it. Um, and I think that that makes a lot of people play their best tennis. So. Do, you, do you think that's the key? Because competition is so tough and, and, and being on tour is such a grind. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, obviously, at the intense moments, I get super focused, and I'm always focused on the core and um, determined. And, you know, I get as upset as anyone else, of course, when I make a mistake or anything like that. But I think it is a key that I have learned over the years of playing, for sure. Alicia Rosolska, I believe, is your partner for the quarterfinals in, in this Adelaide International. Uh, what do you make of your opponents? Um, I don't know them that well. I haven't, I don't think I've played either of them before, but my partner, um, Alicia is Polish and the, one of the girls we play is also Polish. So I think she knows her quite well, has been playing with her for a long time. So I think I'll go to her for the game plan for the match later, but I'm excited. Is she intense or is she like you, a little bit more laid back? She's Polish. <laughs> She's Polish. She must be intense. Yeah, she's pretty intense. I think most people are pretty intense. I mean, I'm, I'm intense too, but just in a different way, I like to think. <laughs> hey, the one thing that I love about double sense was the rule change. You go to the super tie breaks. But you mentioned mm. in the press not so long ago that can the conversion of the super tie breaks has been an issue. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, had, a, I had a tough you know, I think the thing is, you just got to realize everyone loses a bunch of those in the in their career. So they have to, um, like, you just have to kind of move on with it every time. Like, if, I guess the year that I had a bunch of them, I, pro I think I let it get to me a little bit too much. So now I'm better at, you know, you can't be that, you can't, it's hard to be that upset when you lose, like, by, like, one or two points. We're living in, we're living in a crazy world right now. You know what we're talking about, this COVID world that we live in. How does it affect your day-to-day -day routine? Um, yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, when we're traveling, we always have to figure out what the rules for every, you know, state or province or country that we're going to to travel when it comes to like testing and vaccinations and all that stuff. Um, as far as like day to day, it's not too bad. It's not like too different. Um, just, you know, masks everywhere. And uh, we just be extra careful. You know, there's not much venturing out right now especially with this variant with a lot of cases so haven't been really anywhere except for the hotel and the courts but honestly that's what we do anyway so it's not that big of a deal <laughs> well it's probably really good for mentally too because you can get out and you can you know can just blow blow the weeds out right hitting hitting a ball because if you're frustrated nothing better than hitting a ball <laughs> that's true i never thought of it like that yeah i'll think of that next time <laughs>
Um, let, let's talk about uh, we, there's a new there's a new Davis Cup captain who we spoke to yesterday, uh, Kelly Evenden, legend of the eighties. Would you remember Kelly Evenden at all? Does it ring a bell with you? Um, no, okay. no, I don't know him. Oh, that's so. that's fine. But he said something that I was quite fascinated with, and he said losing is a really important part of the game to learn. Do you agree with that? Totally, yeah. It's kind of like what I said about the 10-point tiebreakers. You know, like every time, every every player is going to have a lot of those losses, and it's like what you do with the loss is what makes you into the player you are. So I definitely agree with that. It's a great, it's a great quote. How much locker room talk is there about the Novak Djokovic situation? <laughs> There's a decent amount. <laughs> Would you? Would you be? It's a, it's a wild situation. Well, okay. Would you be? Do you have an opinion on it? Um, not particularly. I think that you know he's known for a while what he had to do to get into Australia, and that was to get vaccinated. So I think to make all of this easier, he should have just get gotten vaccinated and come on over. But um, you know, I think eventually everyone has to get vaccinated. I think unless you have a really extenuating circumstance, then you should be vaccinated. So I think that that's my opinion. <laughs> I'm friends with a lot of tennis players, and I sometimes wonder, when you're not at, shall we say, the Djokovic level, and I use that term, the grind, what drives you to be part of that grind week in, week out on the tour? Because not a lot of people know that the, a lot of the money is being made by a very small percentage of tennis players out there on both tours. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, I sometimes the lifestyle is really, really hard, but sometimes I really, really love it. Like getting to see all these new countries, all these new places. I'm with a bunch of my closest friends every single week. Um, yeah, I'd say it's just like, finding like the finding the pleasure in it you know there's just got to find the things that make you happy on, when you're on tour and then stick with those and try to avoid the things that you don't like <laughs> yeah, yeah because when you were when you were sort of toying with the idea of not playing again did you have to sit down and think okay what's next what is plan b do you have a plan b yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of in my head. It was in my head a lot more when I was thinking of stopping tennis. Um, you know, I went to university, so I have a university degree, so that's helpful. There's some people out there that don't. They never went to school. They've just been playing on tour um, the, their whole life. So, I mean, that's that's a good backup for me to know that I have that and I can use that. Um, I'd like to think that I guess I could go out there and get a real job if I was to quit tennis. So I guess we'll see, but hopefully I'm not going to be doing that for a few years. <laughs> yeah, you know that, no, and, and we wish the same thing. What is the degree in, may I ask? Um, public relations. Oh, okay. Easy peasy. Key. Yeah. Into PR, yeah. into PR straight away. I mean, not, yeah, exactly. not, a, not a drama <laughs> whatsoever for Aaron Ratliff. Uh, Michael Venus, mixed doubles. What thoughts on that? Is that going to happen? Um, it just depends on the cut. Obviously, his ranking is um, really high. So if he has to switch to get in with someone else, then obviously he's going to do that. So it just depends. I think the cut um, it changes every few years. So if I'm lucky, the cut will be you know 70 or below, then we'll be able to play. And if it's a little higher, then he'll have to switch and play with someone else. So I'm hoping that we can get in. That would be really fun and exciting. Uh, and now you see, you took the words right out of my mouth because you two look like fun people. He's Mike's, Mike's a pretty laid back sort of dude, isn't he? 
yeah, I don't I honestly don't know him that well. I've obviously met him a few times and chatted, but um, yeah, I would be really excited to to go out there and do that. Raises an interesting question. Partnering up with someone you've never played with before. How hard is it and how quickly must you adjust? Yeah, it's something um, that is, you know, I've learned while playing on the tour. You know, we play, I play with people that I've never played with all the time. And you just got to learn like what they like, what they don't like, you know, what game style, if your game style is like adjustable, what, what they do better with, stuff like that. So it is, it's just something that I've gotten used to. And it's, I find it exciting because you have to like learn, you know, someone else's personality and their game and all that stuff. So it would be, it'd, it'd be good. Aaron Rutliff sounds really happy right now. <laughs> That's good. That's good quality. <laughs> well, that's the vibe you're giving me, girlfriend. So I'm just trying to make you feel good. You've got a you've got a quarter final at what six thirty tonight in Adelaide. Yeah, the girl we play in um, doubles play, has singles quite late, so it might be a little bit later than that. But yeah, we're gonna have a late match, but it'll be good because um, it won't be that hot. <laughs> oh, okay. well, how hot? How hot is it over there at the moment? Oh, it's it's gonna get up to thirty eight today. So it's scorching. All I can say is stuff that for a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Erin, it is so good to talk to you. I am so happy that you've found your pathway and that you're getting success on the court. We only wish you the best. And again, uh, the best of luck for the first Grand Slam of the year as well. Thanks so much, and thanks so much for having me. You are more than welcome. Aaron Routliff, uh, represents New Zealand in tennis. Uh, You know what? Something just raised its ugly head. Shouldn't be calling it a grand slam, right? You should be calling it a major. You know, you're going, what do you mean? I thought yeah. golf had majors and tennis no. had grand slams. Well, hang on. A grand slam is winning four of the majors. Is it? Yes, it is. I thought there was no, called I've had this a, argue a with calendar Rob. slam. No, no, or no. Wasn't no you can have, no. Was going you can for have the- a calendar slam, but a grand slam is winning all four majors, right? Right, because when you did the Grand Slam, when the All Blacks did the Grand Slam, it was beating the four home nations. I'm not worried about the All Blacks or anything like that. But that's why it was called a Grand Slam. Tennis, right? No, they're called slams. Each one of them are Grand Slams, aren't they? I'm not going to argue this point. I'm just telling you. Well, it just came up to you, and I happen to be here, and now we're having an (laughs) argument. But it's, 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 okay, so here's a question for you on 0800 150811. Are the tennis majors... Officially known as Grand Slams or Tennis Majors. I am saying they are majors and a Grand Slam is winning all four of them. You can have a calendar Grand Slam or whatever. So So good luck for the first major of the year. Good luck for the first major of the year. But it would appear that tennis and and, and journalists have gone, no, no, it's a Grand Slam. So I'm just, just throwing it out there. But how good did she? How good did Erin Ratliff sound? She was like in in good in a good space, right? I mean, it's it is yep. tough. What people forget that, and I only know this from talking to mates of mine that are on the on the tour and and the likes of Robbie Koenig, uh, who we're, we're trying to get him on Friday too to talk about the Australian Open. Is that basically you can make money top hundred for the men because the purses are a lot bigger. Top fifty, you're doing okay. You make a really good living. But below that, when you think there are players ranked 100 to 800, 900, it is tough out there. It is, they're having to pay their own way. See, a lot of the times with tennis, if you're in that certain bracket, 
your flights are paid for, your accommodation's paid for, everything is paid oh, for. Oh, and your sponsors are just like, what more can we do for you? Yeah, it's a, the interesting one with sponsors is that they that would be normally like the sponsorship agreement would be, for, for, particularly for kit, rackets, clothes, shoes, the whole nine yards, and then bonuses on, on performances. But below that... Uh, and we've seen we've seen people, you know, I, I keep coming back to the likes of Tennis Sangren. When he first came out here, Ten- I don't think Tennis Sangren ever had a proper sponsor. He looked he looked like he'd just thrown his, his kit on out of the, you know, well, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this, right? Next time he came back, he went and won the tournament and he, and he looked like a completely different player. It's all it's all results-based. It is a harsh environment and, and people think they're, they're, they are treated well. Well, yes, they are at the certain level, but below it is, and I love this word, it is a grind. It's 12.19. This is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. 0800 150 An anonymous text. No, no, it's Pete. In reference to when we were talking about Lewis Hamilton and whether he was hard done by, he just said, emotion aside, was the rule used fairly and as intended? Good thought. Maybe you've got a thought on Lewis Hamilton. Uh, or and, and should tennis majors be called slams? 0800 150 Still to come, Paul Eiffel on this, wow, out of the blue, even though it was talked about but sort of almost not talked about, Chris Wood going to Newcastle. That's not too far away. Well, Paul Mawati joins us now from the TAB. You can catch the best of live racing. Just download the TAB app today. And is NFL still top of mind with you? Well, it's just that time of the year. And and with the new playoff system that they've installed this season, it just adds a wee bit more spice to it. So I'm fascinated by the money that we've seen come in uh, just fascinated by how the the teams that have come through, how they're going to perform, um, and well, you're losing, you're gone, pretty much. Oh, so, is this uh, is this new? Because I always used to think they only had one or two wild cards, but it's, there's a whole there's six games in called, called the NFL wild card round. So is this is this winning you're in? Uh, there's pre- yeah, pretty much. Uh, you win this weekend, you continue on. You lose, and you're uh, it's time for a holiday. So, yeah, it's uh, I'll, I'll just the added uh, the teams that they've added in. Uh, I think have added, and and it's such a wide open competition this year. Mm-hmm. There's no real real standout for mine. There's no real standout. Any team can beat any other team on their day. Um, <laughs> you, you're, cov- you're covering your backside because you had a crack at me over the 49ers Cowboys games. That, you are so full of it today. Uh, okay, but but have the numbers changed since we talked yesterday? No, not really. They're fairly steady. Um, uh, the what? Kansas Kansas City Chiefs are very very warm favourites in their match. Um, money continues to come for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 49ers. We've seen some support. And yet, look, the, the Cowboys are a very, very popular team with punters here in New Zealand, but we have seen a bit of support for the 49ers to upset the Cowboys. I know you don't want to hear this, Stephen. No, I know. We've seen some support for the 49ers to upset the Cowboys yeah, this weekend. Fair, fair play, because I did suggest in my, my limited knowledge of the NFL that the Cows' defence is just a little suspect at times. Their offence is OK, but if they don't have their full complement, uh, they are a little vulnerable. I, I still think the game for me, the, the, well, there's two games for me. Um, the Bills-Patriots is an interesting one for me because I think if I'm right... 
the Pats won the first one, but then they got hammered in week 16 by the uh, the Bills. That's right. And these teams, Crockett, they, they would know each other better than they know their own families the amount of mm. times they've played uh, against each other, not just this season, but uh, over the last few seasons. So it's a great matchup there. We've also got a bonus back promotion on every single NFL playoff match this weekend. Um, so uh, you just have a winning team and margin bet. Uh, and if your team wins, but you have the incorrect margin, uh, then we'll give you a bonus bet up to $50 back. Um, just check out the TAB website for all the T's and C's there. But, yeah, a bonus back promotion on all six NFL playoff games this weekend. Who is the hottest team in the NFL to go all the way? Forget your Packers, unless unless the money suggests they are the hottest team. Tampa Bay. Oh, still. Tampa Bay are still, yeah. We took a, what was it, a... It was around a three thousand four hundred dollar bet on Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl at around six six fifty. Oh, so, oh, that's that's good. That's a good number. That's a great number. Yes, yeah, someone's someone's backing the goat. Okay. Well, speaking of not goats, but what maybe greats, uh, how much money was it paying for Ross Taylor to take a wicket? <laughs> that was it. That was a huge set of them. I'm pretty sure we didn't have a market for that. I'm, I'm quite happy we didn't because we would have got absolutely hosed on it. <laughs> but, a, but, a, but a pretty cool way to end, end your test career. Oh, brilliant. I'm sure Taika Waititi's figuring out a script, a script and a screenplay right now for the, for the movie of Ross Taylor's life. Just you finish by taking a wicket on the very final ball of your very final test match. It's just a sensational way to go in front of your home crowd. Um, well done to Ross. He's been a great servant of New Zealand cricket for many, many years now. As you are a great servant to us at SNZ and the TAB, Paul. Have a lovely afternoon, won't you? Thanks, Stephen. We'll talk again soon. Oh, we will. Watch and bet live on your favourite sport and racing at the tab.co.nz. He's a good bugger, is that Paul Moate? Uh, but just be mindful. Please gamble responsibly. And, of course, it is R18. It's half past 12. <laughs> The all-new SCNZ. And this is SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver, Phil Collins, Phil Bailey, one of my faves of the 80s. It's about 5 minutes and 46 seconds long. I used to be a DJ in a different, in a different life. But Easy Lover. How about Easy Goal Scorer? Have a listen to this. Nice turn from Wood. He's going to get it back here. Wood, he's an opportunity here. Trudel oh. Burnley! Oh. What a goal from Chris Wood! His 50th Burnley goal is a fantastic strike. Burnley are two up, Fulham nil, Burnley two, Chris Wood with a special goal. Well, that certainly was, wasn't it? I mean, he literally battered that into the back of the goal. Hi, oh, lads, he battered that into the back of the goal, he did. Found the back of the net, did Chris Wood. Uh, but he won't be doing that much more for Burnley, which is a surprise to many of us, because inside the space of, we reckon, three or four days, the whispers that Newcastle 
were wanting him have turned into now he's going for a medical, which is a sure sign that his release clause is going to be paid. It's around to the tune of 40 to 50 million New Zealand dollars. And he will be a Newcastle striker very, very soon for a club that is vying to avoid relegation like Burnley, which begs the question, why? So to answer the question, it's one of the great guys in football. Played about 230-odd games, 36, I think, for Millwall. But most importantly for you at home, played 106 games for the Phoenix and scored 33 goals. And that's Paul Eiffel. Hello, mate. Hello, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, pal. What do you make of this move? I think it's quite smart from Newcastle. Um, I think you're damaging one of your biggest rivals, um, taking you know, their main focal point. Um, and I think he, he's somebody that pretty much guarantees you goals if you get him chances in and around the box. He's going to put the ball in the back of the net. So I, I think it's quite smart. He's going to be one of those um, sort of interim players, I think, for Newcastle. He'll be there for the next sort of 18 months, two years, and then he'll be moving on and they'll, they'll go and, and get bigger bigger fish. Um, but for, for Chris at his stage of his career, I think it's a good move. So, okay, but so that's interesting because I was going to say, for, for Wood, is it a good move? You say interim player, so he'll obviously make a, b- a bit more money, right? That That's all good. But does it take away from his Burnley legacy and maybe if they'd hung on to him, they could have got more money for him elsewhere? Um, well, the cl- release clause has been met. So I suppose that's, that's on Burnley. They should have put more in the, in the deal if mm. they wanted more. I think 20 million is probably fair. At, at his age, he's 30 years old. He's probably got, this is probably his last big move. Um, okay. he'll, he'll, he'll probably not be playing Premier League football. I don't see it sort of three years from now. So I, I think if you're Chris Wood, you make the move. You know, you're talking about playing in front of 20,000 people a week versus 50,000 people a week. Newcastle are going on to bigger and better things. I don't see Burnley doing the same, regardless of what happens with the, with the relegation situation. I think Newcastle is a bigger club generally. Yeah, I suppose when you talk about Newcastle, Paul, you almost talk about, is it a poison chalice? They, 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 had, they had to sell. They finally sold to the, the Saudis. Can they turn it around? They will turn it around, absolutely. They've got too much money not to, but whether they can do it this season uh, remains to be seen. I mean, that's the other thing. Chris could go there and find himself back in the championship next year. But... Um, he probably sets himself up for, up for life with this one move. You know, with with the money that he's commanding in terms of a transfer fee, he can pretty much probably double his money um, from a salary base. And, and again, at 30 years old, I think he'd be mad to turn that down. So I, I, I don't understand how the transfer system works in the sense of who gets what money. So that 20 to 25 million pounds, that, that goes straight to Burnley, right? Yeah, it goes to Burnley and Ness. Um, the agent was smart. You can put a, a clause in your contract saying that you take a percentage of that transfer fee. So uh, at that level, if Chris Wood has got 10% of that transfer, £2 million, two million pounds in the bank straight away, and then you can negotiate your own salary. You can negotiate a signing on bonus as well, as well as other, other bonuses. So like I said, you know, Chris is in a, in a great spot um, as a wanted man. What do you think, sort of, what sort of, I mean, I hate to keep talking about money here, Paul, but what sort of money do you think he can command weekly? I mean, they're talking Pogba at Man U, supposedly signing a half million pound a week contract. Where in the universe of football does Chris Wood sit? A hundred, a hundred a week? Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, if, if, you, if you wanted, um, they've been willing to pay 20 million, you've got to be asking for that. So a hundred thousand pound, what, what's that? Just over 200,000. Kiwi dollars. It's not bad, is it? Oh, well, no one's going. No one's going to cry cry foul over that one. Is it true that New Zealand football and Woods New Zealand club will get a, a, a bit of, a bit of the transfer fee? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. Again, I, I don't know how that, that works, uh, to be honest. I would imagine that there'd be something paid, paid down. It normally does filter down, so... Um, a little windfall, um, yeah, wouldn't go amiss, would it? No, 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 it wouldn't. Um, I, I have to ask this question because my team has always been Man U, right? I'm sorry to say that. P- people will disagree. <laughs> but has Ronaldo been what you expected for them? Um, yes, he has been what I expected for them. I Again, I, I love Ronaldo as a player, but he is about Ronaldo. I don't think he's about uh, a team, and I think that's the, that's the issue. You get somebody in his age... Um, you know, can he do the the other bits and pieces? No, but if you get the ball in the box, will he put the ball in the net? Yes. So that's they got what they paid for, um, and I don't think they should have expected anything different. So uh, I don't think he's been underwhelming, but I think the team generally has been un- underwhelming because everything needs to be focused around Ronaldo. Well, underwhelming could also uh, describe your old joint, the Wellington Phoenix, just the one solitary win and one draw this season. What's wrong? Oh, I think that there's, a, there's a lot wrong, and it's, it's probably out of out of the uh, out of their hands, really, if you look at what they've had to deal with over the last couple of years with COVID, probably them and Perth have been the two that have been affected the most. Um, you know, we've had our best players picked off because, you know, you get somebody like a Ulysses de Villa come over, you know, had a great time, but ultimately had to live in Australia. So when the opportunity to live in Australia and, and, and stay there came up, uh, a bigger club, uh, for more money, why would you not take that on? So I think that's the that's difficulty that we face. You lose a Stephen Taylor, obviously he's retired. I know they've signed Scott Woodson. Hopefully he can come in and do that job that, that Taylor did. But you lose your two or three best players in a league that is salary capped, it's going to make it very, very difficult. Even at this early point in the season, uh, are they, do they make the playoffs or are they just going to be mid-table this year? Oh, I think it, uh, it will come down to the, the signings. I think um, Sandoval, who's come in, uh, the Mexican, he has to be very, very good. Uh, Woodson needs to short the defence. And if, if we can start scoring goals like we were over the last couple of seasons um, with a bit of a short up the fence. I think we're a chance of, of still making it. It's pretty generous the fact that it's top six, you know. Um, so there is still that opportunity, but you know it, it needs to change pretty quickly. Yeah, well, when you look at six places, Sydney FC of all, they've only got the two wins and the two draws. They're actually not far off it. But more importantly, they they are still in the hunt for some silverware. How important to try and make that FFA Cup final? Yeah, that would be, that would be a big boost. You know, the furthest they've been, um, they've been playing some good stuff. The last round was great. Seeing young Alex Paulson, you know, come in and, and, and save all those penalties was, was great for his confidence. And the young boys have been doing well. The likes have been old as well. So um, it gives them more games. Um, if they can make their way to a final, I think that will be that will be a pretty good, big boost for the game. And, and the Phoenix women are doing it tough. They're a young squad, but they're finding out how you have to be consistent week in, week out, aren't they? Really, really difficult spot for them. Um, you know, I spoke yesterday about how tough it is and what a good job uh, Gemma and Natalie are doing um, with such a young squad. Asked to sort of cobble a team together at late notice. I think they've done a, done a really good job and, and, and they will only get better for it. It's going to be a really tough season. The real likelihood is they will finish bottom. Let's, let's see if we can get our first win out the way first. Um, and then once you do that, just keep building um, and, and see this as a sort of, um, a sort of try it and see season. Um, make sure that you learn a lot of lessons for next year. Have you hung up the boots yet? Um, I don't know if I ever will, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach now, first, definitely. That's definitely changed over the last couple of years. I see you're a gaffer. Do we call you the gaffer? Do we call you the gaffer? Yeah. No, I don't know about that either. I don't know about that either <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's changed. I think I saw myself still as a player probably up until the last couple of years, and now I see myself as a coach that plays every now and again, if needed. So I'm, I've kind of said that to the boss down here. He wants me as, as the coach if, if we don't have the forwards then I would 
happily lay some lay some back up, but I'll probably be playing Masters or in the division below. Oh, okay, playing. so it's the knees, right? You just can't keep up anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul. It it is always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your insight. But just to confirm, you think it's a smart move by Newcastle and a good move for Chris Wood to to go there. I do, and just so you know, I don't know if you know this. I've been a Newcastle supporter since I was a little boy, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Ah, again, okay. Newcastle with with Chris there, so it, it suits me too. Good giveaway. Thanks, Paul. No worries. 12.42. So I didn't, well, I didn't know that, Paul Eiffel, because he's Christchurch United, right? He's coaching down there at the moment and uh, didn't know he's a Newcastle supporter. So, uh, uh, but uh, he left it late. Interesting that he thinks it's a smart move and, and Wood, even at 30, has still only got maybe three or four years left, but big money move for him. So probably double his salary. He's probably made plenty anyway. And that you, how can you not when you're playing in the Premier League and you're a very... Well, actually, one of the leading strikers, as we discussed yesterday. Yeah, exactly. He's so consistent. Double-digit goals for every season he's had at Burnley for five years. And I'm just wondering, so Chris, what he reckons is going to double his salaries, earning 100000 New Zealand a week at the moment. So go to Newcastle. Lovely right. city. I quite like it up there. Oh, okay. Bit of a party town. Newcastle on Tyne. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Lovely city. Uh, earning 200000 New Zealand dollars a week. That's not bad. Do you think Chris Wood, Newcastle tops with Wood on the back, will fly off the shelves like it does when Stephen Adams moves uh, clubs like they do in New Zealand? You always see Adams uh, I, I on think, the back of singlets around New Zealand. I think, I think it Zealand. comes down to how, how, how rabid the fans are and how much they, they love it. I mean, the, you, here's the one thing they are getting, a proven goal scorer. So they're paying for it. Uh, we're going to hear from Ross Taylor. He has just held a press conference. We're going to hear from him shortly at 12.43. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 12.49, Ross Taylor has just held a press conference and one of the first questions, how did you celebrate last night, mate? Um, yeah, no, it was a good good celebration. Uh, we had um, all the families and things in the in the change room. It was, it was quite a... Yeah, it was, it was an emotional evening, I guess, for myself and, and for everybody else. But, um, it was, you know, on reflection, it was, it was just great to have family and friends, my family and friends, and obviously the teammates... Uh, family and friends there to uh, to celebrate the win, but obviously my career as well. What a dream way to end it as well. Have you had time to like reflect on how crazy that was? Um, yeah, I mean, I sort of don't uh, believe in you know fairy tales, but that was a thanks for the bad light with the Canterbury crowd that sort of made me um, have to bowl. I guess I just actually I don't know if Tom actually wanted to bowl me. I just sort of took my Head off, and um, I think Tim Southey was actually going to bowl spin at the other end, so that would have been an uh, interesting moment if I didn't get the wicket. But uh, yeah, nah, it, to say has it sunk in yet um, that I got the wicket? No. Obviously, it's not your home ground, but to do it at somewhere like Hagley with your family watching, and I mean, you spend a lot of time out with your kids in the middle after the game, too. And how special was that? Yeah, it was, very, it, was it was cool, I guess. Um, as I've said in a couple of uh, press conferences, it's cool that my my kids are old enough to experience it. I think, uh, you know, each team has a, a bit of a change in our team at the moment. There's a lot of um, babies that are going to be born over the next couple of months. So, you know, hopefully the guys can hang around and, and have their kids enjoy it and remember the moment um, like I have over the over the last few years. Is it hard to kind of sink in that the curtain is really coming down when you've still got more games to go? I mean, your test career is done, but you've still got more ODIs to follow? Yeah, I, I see that to my mum and dad and Victoria. It's, like, it's a bit strange that... You know, I won't, I won't ever play a test match again. So I'm sure at the end of the summer it will probably dawn on me a little bit more. Uh, I was talking to the um, Bangladesh uh, spin bowling coach, Rangana Herath, and, and he said it took him a couple of years to 
um, sort of, you know, not necessarily just reflect on his career and, and miss it. So I'm sure once I, I do finish, um, you know, it will probably hit me a little bit more then. Just lastly, I'm sure New Zealand will be plans to do something when you, when you finally do um, depart, but do you have any plans from your last test? You can do anything with your shirt. Have you got that last ball? Is there anything you're going to do? Um, yeah, I've got the ball um, up in the room. I think Jonty was catching it. He was throwing it around or in his hands before, so no, nah, nothing. I, I think a lot of that type of stuff is quite cool to have, but um, you get asked for a lot of auction items, so I think... Um, you don't have obviously I won't have any more shirts so we're just going to have to auction things like that um, when people need them for different charities and whatnot. Ross just um, looking at obviously we've wrapped things up in three days with, with the tears how just full on were those three days for you and did you actually get to enjoy the moments and after now the fact that it's all done? Um, well first and foremost we want, I just wanted to win the game I think we were 1-0 down um, and it, it was a great I, I, to be fair I, I just wanted to win the game it was my main my main focus. I knew there was going to be different things that were going to happen during the match. Um, that would be, you know, that would make it a little bit hard and you know get a little bit teary. But um, I think being one 0 down probably did help out a little bit. Um, and yeah, that was the focus to, to win the game. And it was nice to. I actually felt really good batting wise in both innings. I just found ways of getting out. Um, but in, in terms of where I was at, um, nice to get a catch and, and obviously. That little fluke at the end there as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it was a pretty special test with obviously Tom breaking up 250 odd runs and um, Trent getting his 300. As th- are those things that you'll remember? And it's pretty cool to finish your test career with the rest of the team um, finishing with milestones like that. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know th- you need those contributions to obviously win games of cricket. But um, you know, I think the bowling lineup was fantastic. Dev's hundred as well, um, and it was good to see Tom Blundell come back into some form and, and get a bit of confidence leading into that South African series. Um, you know, I guess now it's just hope that Kane's elbow, um, you know, comes right and, you know, that team's very settled for a few years uh, to come, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you've still got tests coming up against Australia and the Netherlands. Can we expect you to roll the arm out there for the, for the one day? Uh, I did say that to Steady, um, <laughs> jokingly. Um, but, no, I, I, think, I think first slip and backward point's about my limit, I think. Summer days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. This is a Wednesday here on SENZ Summer Days with Stephen McIver. If you're travelling around and uh, you want to take us with you, just to download the SENZ app and uh, listen anywhere, anyhow, anywho, and have a whole lot of fun. So just trying to, you know, get my point across, looking at whether a tennis Major is known as a Grand Slam or a Major. So just quote-unquote, Grand Slam tournaments are also referred to as Majors. They are a Grand Slam tournament, but in tennis, quote, the term Grand Slam refers to the accomplishment of winning all four Major Championships. The Championships of Australia, France, Britain, Wimbledon, and the United States in the same calendar season. So... Make of it what you will, but the term major is the key point here, yet they are part of a, they are Grand Slam tournaments. John McNeil has been to many, many no, tennis tournaments. No, I've just argued with him already about this And one. Johnny, what do you reckon, Grand Slam or major for tennis? I said it was a Grand Slam tournament. <laughs> nice, Johnny. Yeah, yes. take that, that fence piece out of your backside, Buzz. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, John McNeil with News and Spawn, just a minute. Summer Days on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport.
It's summer days. Yeah, boy. It's 104. Now, if that doesn't get your motor running, I don't know what gets your motor running. Motors won't be running, though, in the 67th running of the uh, New Zealand Grand Prix because it has been cancelled. Unbelievably, it's been cancelled. The event promoter Speedworks man, Jeff Short, joins us right now. Hello, Jeffrey. Hi, Stephen. You can't take a trick, can you, at the moment? No, look, it's it's got its challenges out there for sure. It's... um it's been a tough time for TRS as far as the last couple of years, but obviously the border restrictions and obviously they rely very heavily on international drivers. Um, this season was looking like it was going to be a local sort of national um, New Zealand Grand Prix, and but we're obviously relying on a, a number of our young drivers in Australia, like, like Matt Payne and Callum Hedge, and um, there are a few drivers that would have been there from out of Australia, but unfortunately this year just not to be. Could you see it coming though? Because last year you guys did such a good job in, in having what I might call celebrity drivers in there. You know, Shane Van Gisbergen winning from pit lane. Murph was out there as well, and, and then you had the locals. Could you see it was going to be tough? Um, look, I guess Nico, who looks after the 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 racing series side of it was actually reasonably positive all the way through and um, Australia was probably the big blow um, and, and I know Shane was keen to get back to New Zealand just run to be with his family and have a holiday and he would have been keen I'm sure to line up again um, yeah look it was always going to have its challenges and it's challenging to get 15 to 20 Kiwis to, to find the sort of budget required to run one of these cars so so yeah, look, it was always going to be challenging, but it was looking it was looking positive. I didn't get the word until sort of Sunday when Nico gave me a call and sort of said, "Hey, look, we've got some bad news for you. This is this is where we're at, and I think we're going to have to have a call a meeting and make a decision whether we can make it work or not make it work." Can can you see a light? But we can, but we can see a light at the end of the tunnel, can't we? Oh look, there's some really positive stuff happening around motorsport, and we, we've certainly—I mean, I guess it's straight on the back of that. I didn't want it all to be about bad news. We're, we're out there promoting events, and, and, and we just get, need to keep on going. So we've announced we, we did a, gave it a taste in our first first event out of lockdown in December, and then that's the GT grid, and, and I think we, we're potentially going to have 10 to 15 GD3 cars lining up as, as the feature. GT category um, for Hampton Downs to replace the Grand Prix race right. um, and to have those sorts of cars alongside of Brabham and it, it, hopefully Murph can bear back out there in the Renault and, and all the other exotic cars we've got um, Mustang um, Mustangs and other things that we can put all in together and make something really interesting for people to come and see Yeah okay so what was the date set down for the Grand Prix mate? Uh, you're going to text me. It's, a, it's the weekend of the 13th of Mate, um, you're the promoter. You've got, to, you've got to know the date. It's, it's the second, <laughs> second, second weekend in February, whatever that is. They're all going by so quickly Yeah, at the no, I understand. We're but down here setting up for Highlands at the moment. But, yeah, second weekend in February. Okay, so let's look at some positives, though. The GT Championship, right? That's How close are we to that? You, you've got a full grid, oh, haven't you? 
Yeah, so we're, we're, we're here at Highlands at the moment. So this weekend and next weekend, we're, we're here at Highlands and then we're back at, we're at Ruapuna. Um, and we've got 30 GT cars, which are exceptional. We've got anything from Aston Martins to, we've got six or seven McLarens, a whole heap of Porsches. So basically it's a, it's a grid made up of 15, effectively 15 Porsche GT3 cars and, um, the GT4 cars. So we've got everything from a McLaren to a, Mercedes-Benz that's just landed in the country um, just over a couple of weeks ago um, through to some very exotic race cars, Janettas and all sorts, which um, that's the first time probably we've ever seen that sort of a GT grid in the country. Um, and as I say, for the Grand Prix, we're going to line up an open GT grid with all the GT3 cars from around the country. What, um, what, what do you think has been the draw card to, to fill a grid up with 30 cars? Um, I think, look, there's a, a number of people, and that's why I say it's not all doom and gloom. There's certainly a number of people out there that, that, that haven't been able to go overseas and spend their money there. So there are a number of GT members that have that have been running around the tracks. And um, certainly, if we look at the... I think what New Zealand needed was a quality competition. And we, what we've provided is for exceptionally good events. Um, we've made it that it's compulsory that you've got high-quality um high-quality facilities, hospitality, and competition. And we're giving them um, two hours of racing. There's two 30-minute races and a one-hour race, which they can either do themselves or they can compete with another driver. So that we've given them some options that that um, they can go racing, bring in younger drivers along with them, do it with their business partners or whatever they want to do. It's certainly given, and it's certainly struck a chord because we, we sold all 30 franchises within 24 hours. So... Um, yeah, very positive from our side of things for that side of the sport. Uh, it is a different level of competition the GT3s run. We're talking individuals that are probably have businesses that can afford to do this. So for me, moving forward, what is there out there for younger drivers to sink their teeth in? Because this 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 whole pandemic has really blunted opportunity, hasn't it? Yeah, look, it has, and I guess um, we've been fortunate. I obviously look after the Twider 86 series, and this year is our best best year by far. We've got 23 drivers lined up this season, but it's not just 23 drivers. It's actually, I, I think we've got some of the best, if not the best, young talent that's coming through motorsport in the country, racing in the series. And when you've got people like um, Simon Evans, who's obviously been a gold star, champion um, staying in there to want to win because obviously the winner of our series and actually um, the winner of our series wins a test to go test with triple eight in a supercar so um, it's certainly drawn some very good competition so some of the other classes are very very strong we're still seeing Mazda racing in other classes I guess that the hard part right at the moment is what's the next step for a young Kiwi like 86 I think is the premium competition um, Form Ford's making a comeback, which is good to see. Um, the young drivers coming through, but look like where do they go next at the moment? Unfortunately, it's Australia. We need a class here in New Zealand that I guess that the, the young drivers can aspire to go to. This GT category is fantastic, but I mean it's going to take some of the, these drivers to, to bring some of the young drivers in alongside them. But you did right. The GT series is more about business people with money that can go and race half a million dollar race cars. So. Yeah, um, that's, it, not, that's not easy for a young person. No, and, and budgets are are, are, are are completely different. I mean, I love the fact that you know Formula Ford is back because if you if you are a purist and want to watch wheel to wheel racing, there's probably none better 
than Formula Ford for a, a group of youngsters? No, look, it's, and look, my son, my son won a Formula Ford championship. We were there for three years, and he learned a lot. And it's certainly a great formula to to be able to do that. Lots of close racing, um, and I think we're providing a similar thing in in the touring car side of things from an eighty six point of view. Um, we, we've definitely got some very close racing. We've got machinery that's very close, and it comes down to your ability to set your car up and and race race it race it well. So um, yeah, no, it is good to see. Good to see some drivers in amongst it. Jeff, I'd, I'd love your thoughts on the fact that uh, Tony Quinn, uh, who who owns Hampton, Highlands We Are, and now has picked up Topo, how important his and how great is his influence on New Zealand's motorsport purely because he just loves the game? Um, look, it's, it's pretty significant to have three tracks out of, out of eight in the country and certainly two of the North Island tracks and and prominent tracks um yeah he's got a ma- massive in- influence in motorsport in new zealand um it's just and, and it's great to see him helping some of the younger drivers with the Tony quinn foundation and the, the academy they've set up with daniel gaunt at, at hampton downs um and obviously his involvement around supercars we're going to obviously see some i'm sure some action with supercars wanting him wanting them to be at, at his tracks as well so I think it will have a major influence moving forward in the sport. Is that? But are you, as a motorsport aficionado, are you comfortable with one individual, one company owning probably the three premier tracks in the country? Um, look, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see. It, 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 as as a promoter, it's, um, we rely on being able to have a business model where we can go and hire a circuit. Put on a show, provide an event, and, and certainly we rely a lot on our competitive bases. We've got some great categories that have supported us over the years, but it's all relevant to cost. And, and obviously, when you have a monopoly situation in any any business, I mean, it's just what you choose to do with it. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Tony has done a fantastic job with all of the facilities that he owns. I'm sure Taupo is going to get a big refresh and have some great facilities in there. And it was a pretty good track already, so yeah. he'll just enhance that. Um, I guess it's just I, it's it's their motivation as to where where they see the sport going and how they help to um, to grow the sport as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years, I guess. People just want to see close racing. If you're a motorsport fan, you want to see close, noisy racing. There are two classes that I just want just to get your thoughts on. Watching the Trans Ams race in Australia this year, I went, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Is there, is there any movement going forward to have a decent grid of Trans Am racing in this country? Um, look, so, so TA2 or Trans Am racing um, is something that our New Zealand V8 category tried to introduce and COVID hit at the dead wrong time. And I know that they need some help. I've, I've been in discussions with, with the V8 guys. It's definitely the class that I can see um, that is the most viable for a V8 category to move forward, um, but there is still a like you need you need a critical mass. You need 15 competitors yep. or 15 people to go. Let's buy a car and commit to this category and let's get it going. Um, we've managed to do it with with the super, with the road and car super GT series for this coming year. So can we do a similar thing with V8? That's one of it's in my in my planning boards for next season is that we actually put some real effort into doing something that we do create a class. And I think a V8 class is very relevant. That class is the class that, that, that I think would work best. 
And then you've got a Trans-Tasman opportunity, obviously, with Australia as well, with the same spec car. And, and for people that don't really understand Trans-Ams, they're actually, shall I say, a cheaper form to get on the road. You're not having to spend uber money to run them, are you? Um, no, but it's, look, there's no excuse. No sports, no. It's, 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 not a, it's not a cheap sport. No. It's the sort of thing that um, I wish wish I had bought my son a set of golf clubs or something else. I might have had a few more beach houses or somewhere else. But um, V8, V8 racing, you're still talking that it's reasonably significant, but they've, they've created a formula that I guess is more affordable than, than what hmm. a, another V8 category where you can sort of buy your way by technology, so it certainly is a very good option. Uh, just one final thought: what do you what, what do you think of the idea of a radical racing series? You know that uh, Greg Brink, former Lamborghini Aston Martin man, is got bringing in radicals now. And I, I I think that would be fun, wouldn't it? Uh, look, sports car. I think if you group that in as, as sports car racing, there's enough sports other sports cars around. I I have an own a couple of Junos and race raced the Juno for a couple of seasons. Fantastic cars, um, and, and again, can create some amazing racing. So, again, I think that's just another category that's going to develop, and, and I guess we'll see the sorts of people that are going to own those cars. At the moment, it seems to be, again, business-like people, but it would be great to see some of the younger drivers um, come through that category because they, they're certainly exciting to drive, and they're very fast. And our, F, and our F2 driver, Liam Lawson, uh, uh, takes the Roden FZ for a spin this weekend, doesn't it? Your way. Yeah, look, and that's going to be something that's going to be an amazing feature with our events um, where Super, Road and Super GT is racing at lunchtime. Um, Liam's going to drive the car. I've, ne- I've not seen it in action, so understand it's like a Formula One car that we used to know with the with the great sounds and um, certainly very, very quick. Every, every track it's been to so far, it's broken records, and I know from the UK it broke, broke lap record over the year, and I think that's what they're going to do around the, around the country. Have you seen the F-Zero? That crazy F zero at all? Um, yeah, look, I, I went to their facility and it just blew me away. <laughs> the, 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 what what they've got there and what they're doing and the F zero. I was looking at these guards that were standing <laughs> nearly as high as I I was, and, and yeah, no, it's it's, it's something um, very futuristic and. Great to see David Dicker having a passion for different, oh, doing some extraordinary things. Does does it not remind you of a wacky racer? You remember remember the cartoon series, the Wacky Racers? Oh, very much so. Like you look at it, and you kind of think, "Is this is this for real? Is this actually going to be?" Um, but then, when you start to talk to the guys and the technology and the design and the amount of engineers they've got there working on it, um, and and the and the great part was just how much of it's actually been made here in New Zealand. I yeah. Pretty much every single component will be made um, south of Christchurch, and um, yeah, certainly not not a place you'd. <laughs> Where you drive through and you would expect that you've, you've got that sort of technology coming out of a out, out of a place like that. David Dicker of Road and Cars as a real promoter of uh, New Zealand talent. Jeff, as always, a pleasure. Have a great weekend, man. Wish I could be there, but uh, you know, other things in the way. So have a good weekend, bud. Thanks, Stephen. Cheers. Uh, Jeff Shaw from Speedworks Events. Of course, they're running their first round of the GT Series. The, the Roden F Zero, by the way. If you go onto Road and Cars, I think it's RodenCars.co.nz. Have a look. Uh, we saw this this uh, mock-up about three or four years ago when Murph and I were doing our Sky Speed program and we went, are you kidding me? It's it's a futuristic-looking car with a fully enclosed cockpit. Uh, 
something that you have never seen before. They do have designs online now. You should just have a look at it. It is absolutely bonkers. It's 20 past one. This is SENZ Summer Days. Not too far away as we keep our motorsport theme going. Going to get out of drifting, a little bit of drifting. One of my favourite sports going around. And I, I say that unabashedly. It is so much fun. Stick with us on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. It's a Wednesday, the 12th day of January 2022. We're closing on the first major tennis tournament of the year, and that's the Australian Open. Uh, Caroline texted me in and said, they are Grand Slam tourneys in tennis and majors in golf. Well, that's what I think anyway. Well, yes and no, Caroline. We've come to the conclusion that they are, yes, they are Grand Slam tournaments, but you officially call them a major. It is a major. Win all four majors and you win the Grand Slam. (laughs) JD, you are not. This is when someone's technically right, but the court of public opinion disagrees, Stephen. So, okay, so I am technically right, but everybody else thinks I'm a plonk around and I'm wrong. It's a moral victory for you. It's a completely moral victory. Yeah, but Carolyn is right. They are Grand Slams. The first Grand Slam of the year is the Aussie Open. No, it's not the Grand. A Grand Slam is four <laughs> tournaments. Okay, this it, is going to be a, a thing, isn't it? A, it is a four tournament. Oh, okay, look. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, like John McNeil, take the stick out of your backside of the fence and talk to me about what I was suggesting in Jack Link's Makes You Think about player power. Mm. And I think I mentioned in my dissertation <laughs> that... <laughs> Balance has to be found, and that players we, we players do have a, a huge say in how things work in their sport nowadays, right? Particularly, probably more so professional sport. Yeah. But do they have too much say? Because at the end of the day, and I said it in, in my, my thing, they are the meat in the sandwich. They're the ones making the money. They're the ones, they are the product. They are the ones, so... Do you have an opinion on this? Do you do you feel that they have too much say or not enough say? Exactly. Well, it changes from sport to sport. Sometimes it's just money grabbing, uh, I think. Um, when they get together in unions and they're just like, oh, the, this sport's making this much, we should get X amount of money. But at the end of the day, I think players are expendable, Stephen, when it comes down to it. And wow. if Lewis Hamilton decided he doesn't want to be part of it anymore, he's not about money. He just wants to get his own way and he wants someone to say sorry to him and be like, you're in charge, Mr. Hamilton. But at the end of the day, Lewis, you're out of the car. There's a, there's a, yeah. there's a thousand kids yeah. in Formula 2, Formula 3, yeah. who can all step up and sit in your seat, Lewis, and probably drive almost as quick. And if not in a few five to ten years' time, just as quick okay. as you can drive. So don't throw your toys too much because at the end of the day, I think they can cut cut people who are socks and they are expendable. Uh, and expendable is a really brutal word, but it's probably a realisation that in professional sports, you're as good as your last game, you're good as your last drive, you're good as your last ride. So when it comes to team sports... You know, we, we see it in the NRL. They've got the NRL Players Association, they, and they have the, uh, what do they call it, the collective bargaining agreements, yep. right? Are you okay with all that to make sure that players who are putting their bodies on the line every day, well, every week, 
are rightfully compensated for the a, a generous amount. Yeah, well, then then you compare football players to NRL players and how much they earn. It all comes down to what the broadcast deal is, how much the actual NRL is making, or the sporting body that's running the competition is making, compared to how much goes down to the players. And I, I'm not privy to any of that information, but you want a, a fair slice of the pie. If you see the owners are making massive profits and the employees aren't getting a lot of money, okay. well, then it's not fair. And it's all about balance, isn't it? And you want to make sure the lowest paid players are getting enough. Are are then you okay with the New Zealand Rugby Players Association hesitation to sign up with Silver Lake, give them a a smaller percentage, but still reap the rewards? I am because I think they're doing it for the right reasons. I think they're trying to be guardians of the game. They like like they've seen the Silver Lake deal and the big money and NZR are desperate for cash and they look like they'll do anything to get that cash. And so the players are like, "Hold on. This is w- what we play for, the jersey that we have a lot of pride in. You might sell it and do things with it that we're not okay with. That actually diminishes the value of that jersey that we play for." So that's what they've said in this situation. We want this thoroughly thought out thoroughly looked into. We want to understand it before we sell our jersey, our game, our hucker, uh, things that are so special to the All Blacks away to a company that is purely just here to make some cash. So do it for the right reasons. I think I agree with the Players Association there, so, um, but in these other instances where it's clearly just a cash grab. And I think the Court of Public Opinion decides these things quite often. Well, the Court of Public Opinion, particularly with rugby in this country, if you if you sell the game... <clears throat> As, as it's a cheap commodity, people aren't going to want to play your game. And, and I think that they're balancing it. And I think they've been reminded, the NZR, of, of how strong that feeling is. Do you want to play my game? It's called What Happens Next. Okay, let's do that before Johnny... Just before uh, the news, eh? Yeah, before he slips on his jandals. So you can play along, and we love you to play along. Just text in what you think happens next. You can win 50 bucks from the TAB. And this is what happened first. Good tip jab. That's the jab Mike didn't have in the first fight. What happened here? What happened here? Are you just having some late lunch, Stephen? Mm, someone was. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven on Texas on double eight double three. What happened next? It's half past one. <laughs> the all new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Making SENZ News at 1.30, a man has died on his way to hospital after a fight with another man in Albany on Auckland's North Shore earlier this morning. A knife was also found at the scene and police have launched a homicide investigation with the second man helping them with their inquiries. And there was another fatality overnight. A person died in a house fire on Blockhouse Bay Road in the Auckland suburb of Avondale. A body was found inside as fire crews extinguished the blaze. A leading epidemiologist has called for a delayed start to the school year to allow the 5 to 11 year vaccination rollout beginning next week to bed in. But some paediatricians believe children would suffer more from widespread school closures than any possible exposure to COVID in the classroom. SENZ Radio NZ Sport is coming up. The SCNZ app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. 
British tennis star Andy Murray thinks it's a good thing that his great rival Novak Djokovic has been cleared to play in the Australian Open, but he has a lingering concern and hopes the Serb provides answers with photos emerging of him attending various functions in Serbia in the days after he claimed to have tested positive for the virus. Murray believes Djokovic speaking openly would help the other players as the drama continues to overshadow the Grand Slam tournament. Everything that's happening in sport, senzradio.nz. periods and a few showers about in many places. Rain this evening in Marlborough and Canterbury. Catch all the summer sports action on our app SCNZ. We love a bit of rock and roll. And if you want to have rock and roll on a racetrack in a fast format, loud, noisy, smoke everywhere, there is nothing better. Take it from me than the Valvoline D1NZ Drift Series. And it's back, baby. Bigger, better than ever. And its first round is in Taupo on February 18 through 20. The man behind this crazy, crazy sport, which is so cool. If you if you think you know how to drive, you've got no idea how to drive when you see these men and women in their mighty machines throwing their cars around as Brendan White, the promoter. Hey, Brendan, how are you, mate? Mate, you are the hype king. Coming in on the back of that, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Rock and roll of the year, we're back for 2022, mate. And it's so good to have you back as well on yeah. the front of our lens so our viewers can uh, see your pretty face, not just hear your voice. Yeah, mate, uh, you're going to have to do without me for the first round because it's right in the last weekend of the Beijing Winter Olympics, unless you can convince my bosses that they don't need me. Maybe we have that discussion. But look, let's talk about, I suppose, the metamorphosis of uh, D1NZ because... Having done it for the last two years, I understand why, and you have thousands of follows, particularly on Facebook and your socials when you do this, I understand why people love it. For you, what's the essence of it? I'm still in race control where I'm sitting in the production truck and I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm still screaming. I'm still yelling like a little kid. You know, I started out on the Marshall Point. You know, if you want to get into motorsport, the best way is to go down to your local racetrack and just, you know, put your hand up, and I'll stick you out on a Marshall Point, best seat in the house, right? So that's where I started, waving a flag. And that, that energy, that vibe's still there, that passion's still there. And the day that you don't have the passion for what you do, you know, you should move on. You should, should uh, give the flame to somebody else. But it's still there, and often I actually get told to shut up because I'm in there yelling and screaming and race control, which is not what you're meant to do. But it's fun, mate. It's fun. It's attractive. It's engageable with viewers young and old, it's exciting, and it's on the edge of your seat. You know, Pukakoi Park Raceway last year, they fly in 205 k's between two concrete walls, and they pitch it sideways. And, you know, these guys, they they are totally always on the edge of controlling the car or losing the car, but they do it so beautifully. Um, so for the viewers that don't know what drifting is, sorry, listeners, um, it's a 
a dual sport. So it's not about the first person across the line in motorsport. It's about two cars going out on the track. They practice. It's not a sport where you can just drive. You've got to learn it. It's like freestyle motocross or you know, uh, skateboarding or something like that. You've actually got to learn your practice. And it takes a lot of time to learn that. But once you get it... Um, it's so fun. It's just it's a lot like those other sports. It's an extension of your personality. You can control the car wildly, or you can be precision. So they go out, they practice, and the judges set out a criteria, and they have to meet that criteria. Place your car at 200 kilometres an hour, 30 metres off, 30 millimetres off that wall. Your rear bumper switch really fast, and then be on the other side of the wall. So the judging criteria. It's a judge sport, much like surfing, I guess. Um, and then you come to competition. You've got to qualify. It's really hard if you fly all the way from. Australia to compete and you don't qualify. People have done it. And um, you qualify to the judging criteria and then you go into dual competition. It's a top 32 round robin table, 32, 16, 8 to the finals. You have a lead where you've got to do your qualifying run to the best possible way while someone's chasing you down. The chase is going to be as close as possible to that lead car, mimicking everything he's doing, but doing it better. And then you swap over and you do the same and the judges pick a winner. And um, you know, for me, it's, it's just that passion. It's still there. Um, the drivers in our sport are passionate and, and they're professionals. You know, we've had 15, we're up to 19 years this year in B1NZ, coming up 20 in 2023. It's a fantastic hallmark for New Zealand motorsport. I mean, the drivers are professional. They're, they're great brand ambassadors and, and they really um, have learned how to, I guess, educate fans and give fans a show. And that's, it's been lacking in New Zealand motorsport for so long. B1NZ does it and it does it well we put on a show. Yeah and I think that's the other part of that show perspective is that it caters in many ways to a, a new generation. It's short and sharp so you're not really dragging things out. You know within five minutes, maybe six minutes who the winner of that race is and you move on right and and that's critical nowadays. Yeah it's, it's hard for the drivers because you know you come into a top 32 competition and if you don't perform in that one moment in front of a stadium full of people, you're on the trailer. Um, so it's very nerve-wracking, um, but it tests you to your, your ultimate limits as a person and as a professional driver. Um, so I think from that perspective, it's always fun for a fan to watch. And uh, the sport over time, you know, we're now, you've got the big screens, you've got yourself doing the live interviews after. So <laughs> it's this full immersible experience from a fan, whether they're watching at home live or whether they're at the track, and they get to understand the personality and, and what's going on behind it. So it has helped, and we have developed a lot over the years to be able to let the fan understand the sport. And the, the other thing, too, is you don't you don't go straight to the pros. You can go to the pro sport championships to, to learn your trade, but be around the pros to understand what makes a champ. Yeah, and we've, we've seen it on time on TV, time and time again, where we chuck a pro sport, you know, he's a newcomer and he's live on TV and he definitely doesn't say the right things. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an educational process um, and we've seen some fantastic talents, not just in drifting, but in New Zealand motorsport come through the ranks um, in TV. So yeah, we, we are a, a very, uh, it's one of the fastest growing motorsports in the world um, because it attracts the young, you know, it's, it's a youth orientated sport. Kids love it um, and now that we're 20 years older, the guys that were 20 back when we first started are now 40, so um, our demographic's growing older with us, but the youth still love it. So it's, it's a fantastic sport to keep growing, and every weekend there's a drifting event on somewhere in New Zealand. Um, we're the Premier National Series, um, backed by Valvoline, and, and you know we do six rounds across New Zealand. So we started Chapo, like you said. We then go down to the Manawatu, off the Mount Smart, um, very 
thankful that Century Batteries has come on board to really put that showcase on. You loved it. You know, we've got flamethrowers, CO2 cannons, <laughs> lights, and all sorts of out-the-gate stuff. So that'll be the Century Batteries Power Night at Mount Smart Stadium. It's just down there today. They're our venues love us, you know. They've painted a full custom racetrack down at Mount Smart Stadium for us. They're pulling up grandstands, um, and, and that's going to be a regular fixture down there. And then off to Hampton Downs, uh, I think for Tony Quinn, and um, and then down the team there at Hampton, and then back to um, Bay Park for the grand finale. Oh, but Bay Park, um, but look, Karonga, I, can, I, can I just say Bay Park last season was a stunner, and people need to get there because it's probably apart from maybe Mount Smart, one of the closest ways you can watch this racing. And, and be on top of it, and it certainly proved fateful for a lot of people. We're getting you; those are the concrete walls that you do not want to, want to tangle with. Yeah, so we've um, Century come on board with that one for the. We're calling it a super night. So same thing when you chuck some some theatricals <laughs> at the, the grand finale. Um, but it, it is because we many years ago we actually did a silly thing. We built a, a few custom concrete courses and um, on top of the speedways, but then we managed to work with Speedway New Zealand and we put those courses underneath the Speedway track. So yeah. this is a custom, it was the biggest single pour in Tauranga concrete. We had something like 122 trucks backed up of concrete. Um, so you stand on the Speedway wall and you've got Thanger Dan's RTR Ford Spec 5D Mustang flying literally under your feet at 100 k's an hour, sliding along the wall. Oh, um, no. it's, an ex- it's a very... Different experience from it's a great experience. It's a great experience. Andy's Andy's painted it pink this year, which is even better. Um, Are we going to see Darren Kelly in the in the Nissan back this season? Uh, There are some things happening. I think with Darren Kelly's program um, that he's he's looking at. But yes, we will see him back. We've got a a fantastic media day out at Hamptons at the end of the month, and he'll be out there um, testing, and we'll see him at the events. Um, Bay Park will at the end of the month, also announcing we're bringing a, a very historic New Zealand event um, back to be in line with Bay Park. So watch this space because oh, wow. it's not just going to be about if you're a motorsport fan. Uh, it's going to be all sorts of genres down there. So it's going to be a, a big party on the 29th of February uh, April down at Bay Park. So I was, yes I, to Darren, uh, yes to Pena. <laughs> I, was, I was going to ask you this question, but a, a punter uh, has texted me in the question. Uh, would you like to have Shane Van Gisbergen just race around? Mate, we will find him a car any time he wants to come back to New Zealand. Just but gotta, obviously, just got to get back. Know, he's got, oh, he does, but he's got fantastic, strong ambition to go globally with other things. And, you know, he does a, a great job at flying the New Zealand motorsport flag in Australia for us. We fly the flag in Australia as well. We're actually live on Fox Sport in Australia. We sit alongside supercars over there and. Now, we've got good numbers. We've got bigger viewership in Australia than we do in New Zealand, funny enough. Hey, um, just one final thought. Uh, how important, and congratulations, by the way, uh, that Repco has come on board. Yes, mate, Repco's back on board again, which is, um, it's proud, you know, this trans-Tasman relationship with motorsport, it's so key because in motorsport, uh, you know, unless you're paying it for yourself and you've got a big business, you need sponsorship and it's a, it's a really important part. And as a series, we understand that why we put on a show so the brands can interact with a really cool interactive show. Um, Trans-Tasman, Repco, Valvoline, Century, you know, all these brands love being involved with it. They love seeing it forecast in Australia and New Zealand and, and the guys are, are, you know, put on a great show with their cars. So really uh, thankful to the team at Repco um, for coming back on board again and able uh, enabling us to go live alongside Valvoline. So big things to come, mate, because we're one year off our... 20th anniversary. Yeah, you're a good man, Brendan White. Can, can, we, can I have a different coloured shirt this year, though, please? 
black, black, black is too hot when it's steaming hot, mate, and you, you hang around hot cars. Can we, can we change it up a bit? <laughs> oh, I'm sure we can, mate. I'm sure we can. <laughs> you've, you've, you've laid your own bed with that one, I think. Yeah, I know. You'll have to watch what shirt you get when you come back. But I'm looking forward to having you back trackside, mate, and um, really giving the viewers in Australia and New Zealand a, a fantastic show for 2022. Um, Building up to the 20th anniversary. Cannot wait, mate. So take it easy. There you go. Brendan White, uh, promoter of D1NZ, Valvoline D1NZ. First round, Topo Motorsport Park, the weekend of February the 18th and 19th. And uh, just a lovely text, and, and, and it, it says a lot about what it's all about. Um, Stephen, I marshal for my local car club. It's a great way to give back and see the action up close. Volunteers are the backbone of motorsport in this country. So if you've never thought about it, how about being a marshal? Hey, you don't have to pay to watch a sport. Pretty good idea. You've got to be safety conscious and do the right things and understand, but it's a great way to get involved. This is SENZ Summer Days. What happens next? That's not too far away. The second part of it, yum, 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 145. Sport. Yes, we have. Yes, we've had our ups and downs. Me and JD. Been down that rocky road. Not too much. But here we are still around. We thought about someone else. I didn't, JD. You're the one. Neither one took the bait. We thought about breaking up. Never. We are happy to be stuck with you on a Wednesday, the 12th of January, 2022. Stephen McIver, Brian and JD looking after the ship. And it's that time again to figure out what happened next. Yum, 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 yum. Exactly, Stephen. This was part one. Good stiff jab. That's the jab Mike didn't have in the first fight. What happened here? What happened here, all right, and we had about seven or eight ticks. That all got it right. Yes. Do we do we reveal it now? So we will reveal it now. Not the winner. No, okay, well, let's reveal it now. Go, go. Good stiff jab. That's the jab Mike didn't have in the first fight. <laughs> what happened here? He got better, I think. Evander Holyfield, look out! He's pushed right here above us by Tyson. He's got bit in the ear. Oh my goodness, he's got a bloody right ear. Holyfield bit by a dirty Mike Tyson. I can't believe what I'm seeing. 
I couldn't believe what I was seeing either. Hollyfield Tyson 2, Saturday, June 28, 1997. Uh, it was supposedly called uh, The Sound of Fury, but afterwards it was known as the Bite Fight. Hollyfield was the heavyweight champion and, and Tyson was the uh, the number one heavyweight challenger. And congratulations to Mark. One boxer was talking to another boxer and one couldn't understand because the other one, because of his lisp. So he whispered sweet nothings in his ear with the side of his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing it. You you shouldn't be doing that to me, Tyson. You shouldn't, Tyson. You, I mean, I, I mean, Hollyfield, Hollyfield. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that to me. It's not fair. It's not fair. He was disqualified, lost his license. Uh, it was later reinstated, but that was the. I think that was the beginning of the end. He went back for more in that fight. He bit him that once, and didn't get disqualified. Remarkably, <laughs> even though he spat part of Hollyfield's ear over the ring, and then went back for more. You taste like crap. You taste like crap. <laughs> it's not fun. I'm gonna bite. I want some more. I want some more. So. There you go. Congratulations to Mark. He's a winner. You're a winner, mate. You're a winner. This is SNZ.